This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. You're listening to the Voices of Wrestling podcast with your hosts, Joe Lanza. Exile, go listen to some boring podcast where they're, where they're afraid of their own shadow. Okay? Don't listen to Joe Lanza because Joe Lanza's not changing. And Rich Crange. Who delivers this guy in a big spot? Joe, don't yell at me. In the big spot, who delivers better than this guy? Stop yelling at me. I agree. Welcome once again to the Voices of Wrestling flagship podcast. I'm Rich Craig, alongside, as always, the king of banter and a very good family man, Mr. Joe Lanza. Joe, what's happening? Uh, not much. How you doing? I'm doing well. Doing well. Heard the heard the good family man in action just there a few minutes ago as you're uh, trying to calm the children down, trying to get everybody in check before we record. I, I like it. It was a good, uh, good peer into the, 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 the psyche and the mind of a uh, parent, Joe Lanza, so... I can't have kids screaming and yelling when I'm trying to. You know, <laughs> it was a lot. It was a lot of screaming. <laughs> work over here, geez. They gotta, they gotta, they gotta calm down. It was a giant disruption before, uh, before we got on the call. the The girl was downstairs getting a snack out of the pantry, and she just starts screaming at the top of her lungs in sheer terror. You know, and it comes running up the steps and, you know, jumping in her mother's arms. And we're like, "What the hell's going on?" She's like, "I saw a lizard." Well, a gecko got into the house. Oh, okay. All right. And she saw the quote-unquote lizard, and she flipped out because she thought the thing was coming to get her. So then I got to go down there and go look for this gecko. You could forget it. <laughs> right. Okay. I mean, yeah. That thing is in some crevice that you're never going to find. It doesn't. Yeah. It, it yeah. knows, it knows <laughs> it's lo- you're looking for, and it's not going to about to appear. So. Are you kidding me? As, sh- as soon as she let out that shriek, that thing was... <laughs> That thing is inside the wall somewhere. I mean, give me a break. So I got to go down there and look for this gecko. How often does how often do you find geckos in your house? Is that a pretty common occurrence out there in a in old college station? They are all over the outside of the house. Um, so you'll get one in the house maybe once or twice a week. Yeah, it's pretty common. Um, you know the dogs like to chase them around and rip them apart. So sometimes I'll wake up in the morning. I got to clean up a crime scene. Um, but. Yeah, they'll, they'll get in the house like once or twice a week, and I'll usually just catch them with a plastic cup and throw them back outside. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I'll take those over like, you know, mice or cockroaches or something like that any day of the week. Spiders, you know, uh, you take that trade. But, uh, but yeah, she's never encountered one of these things. She, she thinks there's a monster down there chasing her around. And then the boy's screaming at the top of his lungs for no good reason. So yeah, you know, I had to go take care of business. <laughs> I just realized that the uh, the geckos would would I think eat the spiders, right? So that that's that's a pretty good trade off. Like you're saying, I would definitely take the geckos. Yeah, the geckos in my house over over spiders or anything else. I do too. I do also the the math of the spiders as well as that. When I see a spider or uh, in my old apartment, I used to have a bunch of centipedes, and I would be like, you know what, the centipedes are eating something else that I don't like. So I was like, you know what, centipedes, it's all yours, man. Like you're probably eating either uh, a spider, you're eating some sort of mosquito, like you're whatever you're eating, I don't care. Because I don't want that in my house, so I, I allowed the the centipedes to kind of roam free and do whatever they needed to do. So, yeah, I have my exterminator come out um, once a month, and he says the geckos are good because they eat everything else that could be getting into the house. 
So it's that's exactly what you just said. So the geckos take care of like spiders and you know all kinds of shit like that. They really don't bother me. Like I'm not, I don't have any kind of fear of the geckos. They're not that big. I mean, it, it's a little startling sometimes if you turn on a kitchen light at three in the morning and one runs across the floor. Sure. But, right. Right. But it, it, at the end of the day, they're not. They don't bite. They're not scary. You know, I'll if I can catch one, I'll. I'll touch them. I'm not scared of them. I'll pick them up and toss them out the back door. Um, but yeah, as far as uh, you know, if if you're if you're ranking out your pests, that's like top of the list. Like if you have to have a pest, I think that's the one you want to have. At least me, anyway. Now some people can't handle the reptiles, maybe you know, but uh, the girl obviously can't. But uh, but you know, I'll take that over any kind of bug or something. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. And especially mice too. I'm not, I'm not a mice guy whatsoever. Like anytime I see a mouse anywhere near this house, like I just, I flip out, I go nuts. Like there, there was one I saw next to my garbage can yeah. like three weeks ago and I ended up like cleaning half the, like there was like a, like a wood pallet back there and a bunch of like, just, and I was like, I was cleaning it like the whole weekend. I was just cleaning stuff out just because this mouse was, was outside. It wasn't even in my house. It was close mm. enough to my house where I was like, no, 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 <laughs> not happening. But the traps out there, I was like, I, I don't do mice, man. I just, I, I'm not a fan. I can't do it. Yeah, yeah, it, mice are, are yeah, I, they suck. Um, and and a lot of places, like if you live out in the middle of nowhere, sometimes it's just you can't. You're gonna have them, like those field mice. Right, right, right. Um, I'm not talking like New York City sore rats, bad news brown over here. I'm talking about like you know field, you know field mice. Sometimes some people can't avoid them, you know. Um, and then there's uh, those New York City rats. I was uh, I was kind of surprised when when I went to New York, obviously for WrestleMania weekend. Those things are uh, they're they're confident little buggers. Like they don't even move. They're just like you know what I mean. Like you oh, come no. out, yeah, there's like I'm here. I'm standing here. What are you doing? Get out of here. I'm like all right, all right. Yeah, they're they're so they're so used to people that they, <laughs> they don't move. Like I walked by one and I was like, it was a standoff, and I was like, all right, well I guess I'm walking by because you're not moving. All right, cool. Like, no, they like don't he care. won. He won the battle. <laughs> no, they they. I mean. You know, look where they live. They can't. They're not afraid of people. I mean, if they're rummaging through a garbage bag and you walk by, they're not. They don't give a fuck about you. So yeah, they did. They, they're very bold. Very <laughs> I was bold. surprised. Though. I was like, okay, all right, whatever. Like he wanted to stand oh, yeah. up. Like I got out of his way. I was like, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> yeah, of course. Yeah, you know, he knows you're from out of town <laughs> you do, too. Do your so, thing. You know. Yeah, yeah, he knew it. He could smell the the out of towner all over me. So. Because you stopped in your tracks and you acknowledged them. So like, <laughs> exactly right, right. This mother, this midwestern fucking corn fucker. You know, he's got nothing on, you know, he knew you weren't from around those parts. You know, he, he sniffed out that Chicago accent of yours <laughs> and, and, and he knew exactly what he was dealing with. I get frogs too. Uh, th th my, my, my driveway is filled with like these toads and these frogs. Interesting. Yeah. I got a few backyard frogs. They're, they're, uh, they hang around my, like, uh, my, my plants and stuff. So I try to like mow my lawn and they're jumping all over the place. I'm like, what are you idiots doing? Like I go out of my way to make sure I don't run them over either with the, the lawnmower, but yeah, they're, they're everywhere in my backyard. There are flattened frogs all oh. up and down the street because they're just everywhere. And they just, I guess they're slow and they just get run over. They're always, I flatten them in my driveway by accident. They're pretty dumb. Like this, this one, like that I almost run over with my lawnmower. I have to like shoe him or her whatever into like an area and then like kind of guard that area off because like it'll just jump right back into like the line of sight of like my lawnmower and i'm like come on man i don't want to i really don't want to run you over with my lawnmower like that's not what i'm into doing right now but sometimes you know i, I think i've avoided it most of the time but yeah it's, it's pretty dumb it, it it goes out of its way to try to die so i uh, well i had a dead one in the garage the other day but the the fire ants had gotten to it 
So it was basically just the skeletal remains at that point with, you know, the ants picking at what was Jeez, left. What a, what a hellscape you live in, sir. That's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> so I said, that I got a broom and I knocked it into the lawn. But um, but yeah, the, the, the geckos live in the garage, too. There, When I first moved in, I couldn't figure it out. I had these white pellets, like, all on like the garage. Oh, wall. I remember this conversation. We had this discussion. I think on this on this very show. Uh, did we? So we're like repeating the same. I, I, not, I don't know if we're repeating all of the same topics, but definitely the. I remember you calling the exterminator about the white stuff on the walls. I, I do remember that. But yeah, those, I thought I had. I thought I, I thought I had a mouse infestation because I didn't know what was going on. But I'm like, why would they be shitting on the walls? So I took pictures of these things, and you know, I showed my exterminator, and he he, I sent it to him, and he's like, yeah, if it's white shit with little black tips, it's gecko shit. And it's on the walls because those fuckers are, you know, they're chilling out on the wall. They just, they'll just shit, and it's and the shit sticks to the wall, and it bothers me. So you know, every couple of weeks I go out there with the broom and I have to sweep gecko shit off of the garage walls and then out <laughs> the garage. So it's fucking reptiles around here. I had a dead snake carcass in my uh, garage too, but he like it was nothing left but the. Uh, but but the bones and like a shed of he got caught in some netting. Oh, and, uh, okay. All right, he yeah, was yeah. able to shed his one layer of skin, but then he got caught again. It was I had bird netting in there, okay, and then he got caught in this. So it was like there was there was snake skin and there was bones. So of course I'm not touching that shit, even with gloves. So I found someone on Craigslist to come get rid of it. <laughs> You're kidding me? You no, serious? I'm not. What does that, that ad look like? What does that ad look like? Well, I, I combined it in like the garage needed to be cleaned out anyway. <laughs> and then also with threesome. <laughs> and I, right. Well, you know, if, if you can get it, sure. But right. normally, normally a Craigslist handyman isn't going to be like the same Venn diagram as a Craigslist late night, you know, casual encounter. But if you, you got to shoot your shot, though, right? I mean, you never know. I mean, if you can get the two in one combo, but normally it's a very shady man and an old pickup truck who, you know, is desperate to make the 25 bucks or whatever he's charging me to come get rid of the snake carcass. But in this case, it was like, I combined it. I figured, eh, I need my garage cleaned out anyway. I'm not dealing with the dead snake. So I paid someone to come out and clean out my garage for like 150 bucks or something. And it got rid of the snake carcass as well. You see, I made it like a package deal. Did you make it known that there was going to be a snake carcass in there though? Of or did you not. say clean? Okay. Okay. So you said clean my no. garage. Oh, what is that? Oh my God. It's a snake carcass. Okay. And yeah. I said, I need someone. <laughs> yes. I said, I need someone to come clean out my garage. Um, uh, you know, make your offer. Uh, there's some scrap metal that's yours. That's free to take. If you want to, you know, I, I made it enticing. But I'm not going to mention the dead fucking animal in there. I mean, that that's part of the job. You know, like if they, that's, so I don't want to drive people off. So, you know, they, who, the person didn't mention it though. So, I mean, they, who else, God knows what else they, you heard the right, exactly. wildlife. Right. Oh, I'm sure. Out. I'm sure they've, they've, if, if they, if they responded to an ad for cleaning a garage or cleaning anything, like they have seen much, much worse stuff. Like I always remember that anytime I would have like, uh, you know, an inspector or somebody come into like my house or my apartment or whatever. And I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, it's dirty. Uh, and they're like, dude, <laughs> like, do, yeah. do you understand what I see on a daily basis? Like, you having right. like, uh, you know, a, a pair of shoes in the middle of the hallway is like, that's fine, man. It's, 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 I, I see some shit. Like, so you got to always kind of understand that no matter what you think you have that's weird or whatever, there is a thousand times more weird somewhere out there, especially to people that, uh, responding on Craigslist, I'd imagine they get some real, uh, weird shit. So, yeah, I don't do anything. I just you, listen. 
you know how Lanza deals with things. Like I do, I guy. do. Yeah. You call a guy. That's you know, you call a guy. There's always a guy that'll come and do whatever you need done. There's a guy somewhere that you can call to come do it. So I can sit and watch a ball game while the guy does whatever it is I don't want to do. You see what I mean? Like that's that's how you gotta handle these things. You know, I had a wasp nest up on the Oh, I, I dealt with the, I dealt with the wasp nest a few weeks ago. You 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 saw the play by play that I mentioned on the uh, the voice wrestling Slack. So I did. So you know, you call a guy and he comes out and he's like, "Seriously, that?" I'm like, "Yeah." So he 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 got like the spray gimmick and mm-hmm. it took him like 30 seconds. Now listen, I, I'm willing to pay 25 bucks for someone to come out and do it, so I don't have to do it. You know, let him risk getting stung. You know what I mean? That's. I keep the economy going. I'm good for the economy, Rich. <laughs> you hear the, the one-man stimulus package over there, Joe Lanza. That's, uh, I keep the money moving. Trickle down comes from Lanza, <laughs> Lanza to $20 right. Craigslist people. Uh, hey. Well, whatever, you know. It, pays you, for you, a you, dinner. You, yeah, plays for a meal. So, How much am I supposed to pay for someone to come spray a wasp nest? I mean, you know. Well, the, the reason why I did it is because I looked, I looked it up, actually, and saw it was pretty expensive in my area. So I was like, fuck it. I'll just do it. I don't care. So just went out there with gloves and a... Uh, did the spray thing, then waited a little bit, and then the next day I sprayed it with a hose, and it's all gone. So, yeah, I mean, the guy comes and does the lawn. I could have bought fifty lawnmowers by now with the money I paid this guy to come do the lawn. But again, now I don't have to push the lawnmower. You see what I'm saying? So to me, it's it's worth it. It's a worthy trade off to have the guy come out and do it. You know, it, it it's easy. He don't even he sends me a text like three times a year. Like, and he'll be like, oh, you owe me, you're behind $330, sir. And I'll be, you know, I'll PayPal it to him and that'll be the end of it. I don't even pay him every, like, it's, it's, it's a lovely relationship that I have with my various guys. You know, it works and I don't have to do shit. And really that's what life's about, right? Like not doing shit. Like making money so you don't have to do shit. (laughs) It is, it is the American dream. Absolutely. All right. So we have tons to get to. This week we have the G1 finals, the huge upset I would say of of, of Jay White over Tetsuya Naito. We have Kota Bushi's moment in the sun as he finally wins a G1. We have SummerSlam. We have Takeover. But Joe, right before we start recording this, huge, huge breaking news that we absolutely have to start the show off with. Joe, WWE.com has the story. Legendary Japanese wrestler Kendo Kashin joins WWE Performance Center coaching staff. Well, you know, the you one- ready for this? <laughs> <laughs> like let me let me read the article here before oh, you. Oh yeah, um, sure. I, I would love to hear. I mean, the accolades are are, are numerous for one Kendo Kashi. Legends, here. huh? Uh, uh, the WC, WWE Performance Center has added one of Japan's most decorated junior heavyweight wrestlers Ooh. to its coaching ranks. Uh, uh, Tokimitsu is uh, is it Ishizawa, I think Ishizawa. Uh, the last time I pronounced it, uh, who made his name in the squared circle as the mass grappler Kendo Kashin, is the newest coach to join WWE's training facility in Orlando, Florida, an accomplished freestyle wrestler in his youth. Uh, Ichizawa turned pro in the early 90s and went on to hold the junior heavyweight titles in New Japan Pro Wrestling and All Japan Pro Wrestling. A feared submission specialist, Ichizawa also fought in professional mixed martial arts, including the now-defunct Pride Championship League. Uh, Ichizawa also competed in Europe and the United States during his entering career. In 2002, Pro Wrestling Illustrated named him one of the 22, the 22nd best wrestler in the world, 22nd best wrestler in the world. On the PWI 500, uh, Ishizawa was invited to be a guest coach at the WWE Performance Center last February. At the time, Finn Balor posted a photo of himself along with yada, 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 whatever. It doesn't matter. Anyway, what do you think? Ken Okashin, one of the most decorated junior heavyweights in uh, in Japan. I mean, the Japanese legend, Ken Okashin, Performance Center. What do you think about it? 
Oh yes, an absolute legend of epic proportions, <laughs> Kendo Kendo Kashin. Um, you know, there's a lot of people, Rich, a lot of people who say that um, Kendo Kashin was the star of one of the worst Ring of Honor shows in the history of the company, and um, I disagree with that. I, I I disagree with that. I think that Kendo Kashin was just awful period for his entire career and that the ring of honor show uh did not deviate from what we were seeing from that man throughout his career anyway i love the fact that they call him a decorated fighter as well i guarantee you he's like <laughs> one in seven or something because he was a terrible it's, fighter too. horrible yeah so so he, the the fun thing with Kendo Kashin is, and he was one of our original, like, I, I know for, for old school listeners, you might remember back in the day, like, he was one of our initial, like, real targets that we went after, and we had people, like, people that followed us on Twitter from the, from pretty much the beginning of, of our Twitter account, like, we had some hardcore Kendo Kashin people that would get on us and get really mad. I mean, there was one guy, I think we dubbed him Kendo Kashin guy, who yeah. just, like, would light into us every single time we would talk about him. He had a Kendo Kashin avatar, and he would be like, no, you guys are right. He's the greatest. He's one of the greatest ever, ever. And he's a he's a real shooter, and he'd kick any of those guys' asses. He'd kick Okada's ass. He'd kick all these guys' ass. And so, like, I always had this, like, thing. I was like, well, okay. Like, you know, he he was in pride, and and he fought in these other things. And then, actually, it wasn't until I, I did a uh, I did a spot. Uh, Chris Charlton, uh, obviously, New Japan World, uh, had a, a, a podcast series when he was releasing his Eggshells book. Um, where he was going over every single one of the Tokyo Dome years. And I remember I had a year where uh, Ken Okashin, I forget the exact, I think it was 2001, I want to say, but I can go back and get the exact year, where he was, in a he was in a big match at that year's Tokyo Dome. And I wanted to go back and watch some of his MMA fights because I had always heard, okay, well, Ken Okashin, real shooter. Oh, this guy's a shooter. Oh, this guy's a shit. And I watched this, and, and like, A, like you're saying, like, he, he got his ass kicked all the time. Like he sucked. He was terrible. I'm trying to look up his 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 uh his overall numbers right now or his overall uh, record right now. But then I watched the the Gracie match, the one that the, the famous. Oh, he he beats what was it, Ryan Gracie, right, or Hyen or whatever the fuck you want to call him. I forget what the hell. Uh, yeah. Uh, so so he beats him in in uh in an MMA match, and I watched this. I'm like, well, that's I mean that's an impressive win. I mean Ryan Gracie's a pretty accomplished you know <laughs> pride fighter and whatnot. So so I went and watched it. And have you ever watched that fight, or do you remember that fight? Uh, pride 15 is is, is the uh, is the date of that one i don't remember i guarantee i saw it but i don't i don't remember what well, refresh my memory so here. essentially in the end of the match so by the way he lost his first mma fight he lost to, to gracie and then he came back this time and, and and beat him tko via injury because what happens is, is 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 gracie basically kicks the fuck out of him for about i think it's it, the match itself is probably i don't know four or five minutes somewhere in between there but essentially he beats the fuck out of him for like four minutes he goes for a move and his knee pops out Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so he crumbles to yeah. the ground, and then they just raise, you know, Kashin's hands or Ishizawa's hands, and he's the winner. He's he got I, he got destroyed. He didn't land a single move. Gracie's you know playing is, with the, this guy. <laughs> like, it's like the it's like Matt Hamill beating John Jones when John Jones beat him within an inch of his life and got DQ'd for an elbow. Um, you know, same kind of uh, situation. But yeah, that's probably he probably didn't win many more fights. That's probably might he be never the won another one. He never won another fight, Joe. But after that moment, Enoki then decides, okay, well, we got a shooter on our hands. This guy beat a Gracie, yeah. and they just keep pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And he's he's you know in the top, top I think seven main events of Tokyo Domes. He's he's winning yeah. titles. He's like one of the more pushed commodities in the entire thing, based off a win in a match where the other guy was kicking the fuck out of him, like literally kicking the fuck out of him until his kneecap exploded, 
and that's how he won. And it's just like I love it. And and you're absolutely right. He fucking stinks. He's terrible. He's so bad. But uh, he's a decorated legend. So Kendo Kashin was such a bad fighter that he lost to Shibata, who's also a horrible fighter. Yeah, yeah. Dream Twelve lost so, to Shibata. His, his uh, the the Ishizawa's final record is one five and one. He also had a draw. Um, yeah, he's too. he was terrible. <laughs> like. And, and, and he's and, losing it like 30 you know, seconds like, too. He's not winning. It's not like he's he's just barely making it. Like he is he is TKO, TKO, submission, TKO, TKO. So yeah. No, he's awful. TKO like, punches the from one thing, punched him so much he TKO. Yeah, you have these so bad. You have these wrestling fans sometimes and they get enamored with these quote unquote real shooters. It's like they stink though. Like and that era of Japan, they were just putting anybody into these fights because it was like essentially, it's just what you did then, you know, to try to gain guys' credibility so then you could then hope they, they win a big fight and then you could push them in pro wrestling. And there was just so much crossover that, you know, guys like Kashin and Shibata, you know, they fought all the time, but they weren't good. Like, and, and, and it's like, I don't know why these wrestling fans get so enamored with this idea that these guys are, are real fighters when... If you're not good, then what's the difference? Anyone can go in there and lose. I mean, it, it's it's he was never a good real fighter, so he didn't like like, and he was and he was a terrible pro wrestler, like just awful. Um, there was just nothing redeeming about Kendo Kashin as a performer in any respect whatsoever. Right, his gimmick was that he sucked too. That's the thing that if you go back and actually watch it, it's like his gimmick is that he fucking stinks, and he knows he, he knows he stinks. And everybody knows he stinks, but that's, he's like such a shithead. He's like he's like Taichi without any of the good Taichi matches. If Taichi just always was his the worst that he ever is, that's kind of caution. You know as, what I mean? Like as, as the years went along, he clearly didn't give a fuck. Like you, you'd watch Kendo Kashin wrestle, and the effort just wasn't there. And then, like you said, he kind of became like a tongue-in-cheek parody of himself. It's hard to describe. Like he'd be like, he he knew. He wasn't good, and he wasn't trying to be good, but the gimmick was that he wasn't trying to be good. That's the best way I can phrase it. But, um, yeah, one of the most unwatchable wrestlers of, of, of the era, uh, you know, without question. And it's like, I could see if, like, he was a good fighter and a good shooter, and people are like, all right, I'm into him because, you know, this guy. But he wasn't even a good fighter. Like, that's the thing. And he didn't come across as a badass in pro wrestling. Like Katsuyori Shibata, who we will talk about a lot on this show. Yes, yeah, we will. He at least he at least always came across as a badass in pro wrestling, you know. And and like Brock Lesnar comes across as a badass in pro wrestling, you know. You can you can go down the line. Ken Shamrock always came across. He was a great fighter too, obviously, but always came across as a legitimate bad. Kendo Kashi never even came across as a badass. He just came across as this weird guy with a dumb mask who wasn't very good at anything. So I don't know. So I guess he's going to go to performance center. And... <laughs> uh, so I, I'll let you have a few guys. Who do you think uh, was the, the champion to get Kendo Kashin in there? And does his name start with a G and end with Abe Sapolsky? No shot. <laughs> There's no way. That's the connection. You don't There's think no, so? Not a chance. Are you oh, kidding? you think he's still harboring ill will from them? Maybe, maybe, maybe Gabe thought that that actually was good, and that it was just the fans that didn't enjoy it. No, 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 no. You've never heard Gabe <laughs> talk about that. I think, yeah, no, he he thought it was completely. Are you fucking right? with me? Because yeah, that show. No, he hated it. Yeah, I know. yeah, it was an, <laughs> yeah. That was that was forced upon them. Uh, he had the win. He was 
predictably terrible in the fucking tournament because he was always terrible. And it's like, yeah, no, there's no way. I mean, that that show is is that's one of those shows that is so bad that it's legendary and people watch it because it was so bad. Like there's bad shows that no one wants to see again. That's a bad show that people watch because it's like it, it, it's, it's become a thing of legend. How, how bad caution was on that show and how bad the show turned out because of him, because of dragon soldier B, which again, has the question ever been answered as to where is dragon soldier a like, <laughs> right. was that ever answered? I, mean, uh, I don't believe so. Not in uh in ROH Canada. I don't believe it was ever officially answered. So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's so much talent on that show too. That's the one that Joe's talking about here is uh, April 2nd, 2005, the best of the American super juniors uh, turn, which is relevant because we're talking about the J cup here a little bit later, but I mean, you have Danielson spanky, Dragon Soldier B, Matt Seidel, Black Tiger, which I believe was Romero at that point. Yeah, it was Romero at that point. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alex Shelley, James Gibson, Roderick Strong. <laughs> yeah. Those are your guys. And the winner is Dragon Soldier over Black Tiger. In the it event. was, uh, <laughs> or in yeah. The, in the, in the, not even third from the top, because I, Gabe probably knew it was going to be a fucking train wreck. Uh, and he had a few other matches go on after that one. But yeah, you have Dragon Soldier B and Black Tiger. Uh, in the finals of a tournament that featured Brian Danielson, Brian Kendrick, Matt Seidel, Alex Shelley, James Gibson, and Roderick Strong. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, if you like really boring wrestlers who, you know, ha know how to put on a key lock, I mean, he's your man. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, he, he just wasn't good at anything. Um, no charisma. I mean, he's just a nothing. He's, he's just a total zero. But, um, you know, I... I Maybe he can, I guess he's there to teach people how to do legitimate holds and stuff. And I guess that's all well and good. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I uh, mean, given that WWE house style we're going to talk about on SummerSlam is to slow things down to a fucking grind. And so the crowd can't possibly be excited about anything. I guess he's your man then. If, if, if there's one guy that's going to teach you, you know, a lot of these other guys in NXT are going to teach you, you know, these, these high flying moves and all this sort of stuff. But if you need someone to grind a match to an absolute fucking halt. Uh, Kendall's your guy, though, so I, I, I get the hire. I definitely get it. Did, was he the agent for AJ Styles Ricochet? <laughs> he might have been. Yeah, that might have been his, his test pattern to see, all right, buddy, here, you got a match here. What are you going to choose? And then he said, ah, you know what I'm going to do here? Ricochet, one of the most dynamic wrestlers in the world. What I'm going to do? None of that bullshit. None of that high-flying. None of that. We're going to work his legs, and then he's going to lose. Yeah, that that yeah, he may have been. He may have been. That definitely felt like his style. So anyway, just wanted to... It's uh, like I never in that era... <laughs> I, I still don't understand. Like in that era, I never like marked out for wrestlers because they also fought on like K one shows. It never did anything for me. Like here's the weird thing though. Like I enjoyed the opposite. Like when a pro wrestler would be in a real fight, I would I I would love watching that and I would root for the pro wrestler. Right. Like so I would root for pro wrestlers in real fights, but when like fighters wrestled. Or when pro wrestlers who fought wrestled, then they weren't good. Them being in real fights did not enhance their rest, their pro wrestling for me at all. Am I making sense? No, for sure. And I think it's one thing if the guy is like a complete badass in MMA or whatever, and he comes in to wrestle, and you're yes. like, all right, cool. Like this guy's a badass. He kind of has an aura yeah. about him. But when he's Kendall Kashin, he's getting TKO'd in 30 seconds. Like, how does that? Like, wow, man, this guy's a real shooter. Oh man, this guy just competing in MMA. Like, I can compete in MMA and get my ass kicked. That doesn't mean I'm better at other stuff. 
because I went and got my ass kicked. It, it's a whole different animal if that guy goes in there and he dominates. And that's the thing. Like you go through and and, and it was always the thing of like, kind of gosh, I'm like, oh man, he was he's he's a real grappler. Oh, he knows what he's doing, or oh, he's a re- legitimate fighter. And it's like, I mean, he's been in legitimate fights, he- but I don't think he's a legitimate <laughs> fighter. Like, <laughs> Right. It's like, like is he? Yuji I don't think he is. fought in MMA, but he got his absolute shit pushed in and it didn't help at all. Like it, it like it was the reverse effect, but somehow for Ken Okashin, it became this effect where it was like, oh, well, no, this guy's this guy's a shooter. And like to their credit, they don't tell you that he got it, that he lost or he won that match against Gracie because Gracie's knee popped out. They just say he TKO'd Gracie. So that was smart of them to say, hey, maybe people don't know about this, so we'll just keep saying that he TKO'd Gracie, and eventually people will just eventually believe it, and it feels like people have eventually believed it, but then you go back and watch the match, and you're like, all right, let's see what happens here, and when you actually watch it, you see that, yeah, Gracie was kicking too much ass, so much so that his knee popped out, <laughs> and it's like, no, he, yes, Kashin won by TKO, but there's, you know, look look, look at the context of that, of why why did he lose yeah. every single other one of his matches immediately, and somehow in this one, you know, he, he was able to TKO one of the, you know, a member of the greatest fighting family ever. Like, eh, maybe, maybe there's something going on here. So now some of the pro wrestlers were just put into situations where they were completely overmatched. And it's like, but everybody knew at the time that they were going to get slaughtered and no one really holds it against them. You, you know what I mean? Right, so it's right. like, and, and in hindsight, of course it was very stupid. I mean, there was so little to gain. I mean, they were just hoping for a lucky flash KO or, or, or something that would catapult someone, you know, but like no pro wrestler with, you know, a year of training or six months of training was going to beat Fedor, you know, prime feet. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Nakamura kind of had the same thing. Yeah. Nakamura kind of had the same thing too, where I don't think people really held it against him. It was just kind of like, yeah, we know that you don't, well, really he actually doing was, this. He, like, he was, he was, he was, well, he was a natural decent. athlete because he was a natural athlete, but he still got, I mean, yes. he still like, you know, he was halfway decent. Like he wasn't, he didn't embarrass himself like some of these other guys did. Um, you know, but but you know, some of them were just put into ridiculous situations that were just as it's a Noki was a fool. I mean, in a lot of ways, that was it was just. I don't, let's not go down that. We're way. not going down that. Uh, yeah, there's so much else to talk about but, this uh, week. But I just wanted to, to chime in on one of our old uh, or our old enemies there, Kendo Kashin. Maybe uh, I don't know where Kendo Kashin guy has has gone over these many years, but he's listening. Hopefully, uh. To let us know. Probably fucking blocked. Probably, <laughs> probably fucking is. blocked with the rest of those fucking assholes. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just some people just you, you only have a certain tolerance for like the world's worst opinions. Like you, you become useless to me when all of your opinions are just fucking trash. And 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 he's probably blocked. Yeah, with the rest of his ilk. That's where Kendo Kashin guy is. Oh. But this might be a big day for him, unless he feels like Kendo Kashin turned his back uh, uh, by joining uh, WWE. Who knows? It can go either way, really. Yeah, but, uh, I'll be interested to see if uh, if he pops up again. So, and I'll know if it's an impressor too. I, I know, I know the real Kendo Kashin guy. I know the uh, the tone. Like I said, yes. he was an early enemy, one of our first enemies, I would say. So, nearly days. I, I give him credit for that. He was he was listening when not many other people were. Uh, he was hate listening before it became real popular to hate listen to dual voice wrestling. Uh, i don't care man i like you guys every single week thank you for your support we always do appreciate it but okay let's get to it this is i cannot believe we had this week and we spent 30 minutes on geckos and kendo caution but we're here joe g1 climax it has finally 
finally ended. You can finally, I guess, have a free day, but then you're doing more shit on Patreon. So now you're not even going to get a free day off, which you want to talk about that here real quick before we actually get into the G1. So the G1 daily updates are now done, but you got a new project you're going to be working on at uh, patreon.com slash voices of wrestling. Yeah, a lot of people were confused. We always do the G1 final on the flagship. People were looking for it on the pay side. Uh, I, I, I even, I thought I mentioned plenty of times too that uh, we were going to do the final here. But um, I guess if they're listening now, they know that. Uh, but people were looking for it. But yeah, now that the G1 is over, I'm starting up a new project. I am doing a complete and thorough, and when I say complete and thorough, I mean complete and thorough. Okay, a complete and thorough ECW rewatch, starting with um, the earliest footage available in, in 1992. And I am watching literally everything. So uh, every hardcore TV, every ECW on, on TNN, every pay-per-view, every special event uh, that is available on the network or otherwise, um, anything that's been uploaded to the network has ever the network is great for that because it has every hardcore t it has every episode of ecw television both shows every pay-per-view obviously it has 12 additional uh ecw arena or you know queens new york uh special events i've dug and found some stuff in some nefarious places that i'm going to be looking at too so i'm basically going to be watch watching everything that i can get my hands on with the exception of the fan cams i'm not going to go that far and um and reviewing everything, all of it, in chronological order, starting with the earliest footage in 1992, all the way through Ezekiel Jackson, Rich. We're going <laughs> all the way through. What year is that going to be when you're talking about old uh, <laughs> Ezekiel Jackson? <laughs> That's so, going to be like 2035, right? Like, how long is it going to take you to get there? 1992 to 2010. <laughs> Jesus Christ. So I'm doing, I'm, I'm watching it all, everything. The One Night Stands, December to Dismember, uh, ECW on WWE, ECW on Sci-Fi, all of it, and it is all getting reviewed. And listen, these aren't just going to be match reviews, okay? These going to be a history lesson. It's going to be a history lesson. I know plenty about the topic to begin with, but I've been studying. I've been doing my research. I've been talking to people who were involved and people who were there. Uh, you might get a special guest or two. Who knows? That's not locked in, but you know, you never know. Maybe Rich Crate will show up. You never know. Okay. Um, I can talk so, about I went to the Odium as like a 12 year old. I could talk about <laughs> what was it? Uh, God, what was the event now that I'm blanking on the, on the title of it? It's one, the one where uh, Mike Awesome won the title. Uh, crap. I'm blanking on well, the Well, you're going to, you're going to figure out what it was and you're going to come on when I get to there that. There we go. Good. Year, perfect. Yeah. In the year 2023, when I get to that show, <laughs> I don't you're think gonna, you're getting there. I don't think you're getting there by 2023. But. You're going to listen. I, you're going to be surprised. Look, I got a lot of this done already. So, Anarchy rules. Know, Anarchy rules is the one I was at. Well, there you go. There, there's the guest for Anarchy rules 99 or whatever. I'm guessing it's about nine. Uh, correct. Yeah, exactly. Right. So, um, I think people are going to be surprised. These aren't going to be, uh, you, you know, people listen to my Thursday TV reviews. It's not going to be structured like that at all. There's going to be a ton of history. It's going to go deep. Um, and it's going to be more focused on what was happening, why it happened, uh, what went wrong, what didn't go wrong. What I'm really curious about is to see what holds up and what doesn't. There's this thing out there that none of it holds up. Well, we'll find out. I'm going to come in with a blank slate, open mind. So, a lot of it I've seen. A lot of it I haven't seen. Um, you know, and, and we're going to dig deep and, and do a complete front to back, everything, all of it, ECW rewatch, $5 tier on the Patreon. The first show should be up sometime this week. And that will cover the, uh, the very first 1992 
home video release, Best of ECW Volume 1, that they recently uploaded to the network a couple of weeks ago. And uh, to my knowledge, that is the very first uh, uh, ECW footage. I think it's from the uh, – there's matches from the sixth and seventh shows, I think. I don't have my notes out. Um, so that will be the, the first show. And uh, that should come out sometime this week. It won't take long to get through 1992 because there's not a lot of stuff out. There's that uh, Best of ECW Volume 1, the Best of ECW Volume 2, uh, which also uh, are matches from the from the early days. That one's actually labeled, Rich, ECW's Bloodiest Matches. Is what that I, saw that, I saw that one on the network the other day. Uh, uh, then I clicked it. I don't think any of the matches were very bloody. <laughs> I remember watching about halfway through. So. They're not very bloody, and three of the four matches are just from the random them show that they taped but uh listen you have to have a marketing hook you gotta have that hook you know and then there's the uh the 1992 uh television pilot that they shopped at the time so that's on the network and then i found uh, uh the main event from battle of the belts uh on youtube so we'll, we'll take a look at that and then we'll move into well 1993 it really gets going because that's when hardcore tv starts in march of 93 uh when eddie gilbert shows up takes over the book and then, um, you know, so then away we go. Then it'll be easy from there. But, uh, I think your dogs are getting extreme over there, Craig. Yeah, they're ready to go. I know. They're, they're excited hyped. about this uh, project. They're ready to watch the Sandman versus the Spider. They want to see the unification. They, they want to hear me break down the Super Destroyers is what they want. I can't wait to break down. <laughs> well, Tony Stetson. Some Tony Stetson action here. A lot so. of to Listen, there's a lot of Tony Stetson. Okay? Those first years are going to be tough, Tony man. Stetson. People are gonna have to, but but I think you're gonna put a nice spin on them because yeah, it's 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 rough waters there for a little bit, man. But it, it's gonna be it, it, the thing is though, it becomes worth it once you get through those rough waters. That's what made ECW so good is that like you got a little bit of that weirdness and then it got good, and when it got good, it got great. So that that'll, that'll be fun to see uh, the journey as you go through there. But yeah, Patreon.com/slash Voices of Wrestling. I'm also uh, finishing up on the Boys of Summer series as well. Uh, covering what do you mean? You got events. like 18 years left. Uh, well, I'm not going to get all the way to 2018. I'm going to at least go until the end of August. But uh, yeah, I, I don't. Uh, these the matches get too long. That's the problem. Like I'm, I'm, I'm working my way through. You got to get right. to the classic SummerSlam main event of 2015. Which one was that one? I have no fucking clue. You think I remember? <laughs> these <laughs> modern shows. I have no idea. <laughs> that one might have actually been. Hold on a minute. Hold on. Hold on. I'm sure oh, it was oh. fucking Dean Ambrose versus fucking. <laughs> no, I think it was Brock versus somebody. 2015. Uh, Brock versus Undertaker. Undertaker wins by submission. Okay. Yeah. With a, yeah, I do. I, I remember that now that you mention it, but um, I wouldn't have been able to tell you that that was it for that year 14 was brock versus cena right with the destruction um, that one's yes correct yes any other recent vintage year i have like if you said what was the SummerSlam main event of 2017 i'd be like well i reviewed it here on this podcast i reviewed, <laughs> it. About it, I reviewed it professionally in a magazine and i couldn't fucking tell you no shot can i tell you the main event of SummerSlam twenty SummerSlam 2017. All right, I'm looking it up right now. Uh, Brock Lesnar defeats Samoa Joe, Roman Reigns, and Braun Strowman in a fatal four-way. Mm, okay. <laughs> I don't have any memory. All right, if you say so. I'm sure somebody got speared through a, a barricade or something like that. I'm sure. So You could be lying to me, and I wouldn't I, 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 I promise you. So, uh, oh, my, oh, my God, dude. Time is a flat circle here. Uh, AJ Styles defeats Kevin Owens in a singles match, which Shane McMahon is the guest referee. Yeah. Um. Well, your summer main is Jinder Mahal versus Nakamura. That uh, definitely is a <laughs> uh, Finn Balor versus Bray Wyatt. Can you imagine, Joe? Unbelievable, <laughs> little action here. Natalia in the SmackDown Women's Title scene. 
Um, Sasha Banks. This is all, that's the same, it's the same show we just saw. It's the same show we just saw two years ago. Nothing Lesnar, has changed. Yeah. Oh my God. It was oh Jesus. Anyway, all right. Let's get to this G one here. Let's let's go because we got to talk about this G one. We've, we've wasted enough time talking about things that were not this G one. Joe, where the hell do we begin do, with this? You don't want to rewatch those classics and review them on audio. <laughs> yeah, I'm really. Yeah, exactly. I hopefully I could get to like 2013 and then just be like, all right, <laughs> like like shows that at least at least if I can get to shows that we didn't talk about on the show, I'll I'll feel a little bit better. But yeah, having going back and watching the 2017 SummerSlam event sounds just absolutely terrible. But we'll see what we do. You know, I got some time, so we'll see where we go. I'm doing 18 years of well, ECW shows. You I'm can't not an do idiot. You're an idiot. You can't do the 2007 SummerSlam. You can't do I, it. Oh, I can get to 2007 for sure. I, I just, yeah, just, just released 2002 as we uh, as we're recording this. So, yeah, you're almost there. What was the 2007 SummerSlam in event, Joe? Since uh, Hot Shot, <laughs> uh, Dolph Ziggler <laughs> no, versus, there, but it was it was not. I know for a fact it wasn't. 2007, maybe it was uh, uh, 2000. John Cena versus Randy ding, Orton is always ding, a good ding, match. Ding, singles match for the WWE Championship. Oh, really yep, 21 minutes and 20 seconds. I'm sure it stinks, and Randy Orton does a lot of side headlocks in it. So, basically, if it's between the years <laughs> 2004 and 2013, for any WWE pay per view, if you're stuck, just say Randy Orton versus John Cena, and there's a good chance like a 45 chance you're gonna get it. And then, right, and then you just say Brock Lesnar for anything after 2013, and you're good. Like you've right. basically you've basically done it. So. That's 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 the truth. That's how you do it. That's how you figure it all out. All right, let's get to this here. G one final three days of it. We got the A block finals, the B block finals, and of course the final show, the final match with the huge angle with Shibata. The G one final main, you know, the main event. Kotobushi, Jay White, Joe. Where the hell do we start with this? Hey, listen, There's so many ways to go. If they want the A block and B block final breakdowns, they could cough up the five bucks at Patreon.com. Wow, voices wrestling. I mean, you're you something know. else. You're something you else. Well, I, 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 we got to talk about. We got to talk at least about the Naito thing, right? We're we're gonna do that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, all right. So Naito. There's no need to talk about the August 10th. Like that A block show may as well have been nine years ago at this point. You know what I mean? Like, like great. I mean, Kota Bushi and Okada was fantastic. Great match. Osprey Hiroshi Tanahashi, incredible match. Great moment for Will Osprey. But like having to go back that far, which seems like ridiculous because it was, you know, what a week, uh, barely, not even a week ago. It was two shows ago, but it feels like eight years ago, right? With all the stuff that happened on the B block final uh, and then the final final. So, well, I do have to bring this up. Um, via tiebreakers, Will Ospreay finished third in the I block. know, I know. I took my victory lap a little too soon. <laughs> so we've got to... What are they now, doing having to beat Tanahashi? That's ridiculous. Do I think Gato is sitting there working out the eight-way the eight way tiebreaker for third? No. I think it's happenstance that it worked out that But either way, Will Ospreay finished third in his block in his very first... Was it third or fourth? It was third, right? I think, I I think, think it he, was third. Yeah, by, via tiebreaker, he did finish third, yeah. So I'll take my L on that. So. Yeah, so... Uh, but yeah, I mean, we should mention that briefly. I mean, that is an enormous win for Will Ospreay to, 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 to have them... To have him defeat Hiroshi Tanahashi in, in Budokan on the final night of a block, I mean, that's huge. And that, again, it's another indication. I mean, I think everybody realizes it by now, but that's another indication that there's uh, real plans for a real significant push for that guy uh, moving forward because he's not going to get a win of that magnitude on a show of that magnitude, um, you know, uh, if if that's not the plan for him. So, um, and as far as the fine, the, you know, that block fine. I mean, Abushi versus Okada. Yeah, it was just an incredible match, and um, and Okada picks up the win, and then uh, the B block. Yeah, the Naito thing. So Naito. 
uh, it comes down to Naito and Jay White as expected. John Moxley gets knocked off, and then Goto gets knocked off. Um, they both get upset. Uh, Shingo now again, Shingo too. Shingo beats Ishi and was it Ishi and Goto, right? Uh, correct. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, to, to finish it off, to finish off his, and he gets a big win in Budokan Hall too. So that tells you, and then and then he announced that he's going heavyweight full time. So again, um, you know, it, it tells you that they have real, legitimate plans for Shingo. So, um, so that's significant as well. And then you had Jay White versus Naito, and I was very surprised, although. I did think if Ibushi was going to be in the final, that that was kind of the opening for someone other than Naito, because I, I I wasn't sure that they would do Ibushi and Naito again, um, you know, for the for the final, and that's how it played out. With that said, I, I was still, you know, the, the the finish still surprised me, um, and yeah, so Naito does not even make the final, let alone win the G one, and it's kind of like. When you look at the G1, it's so well booked every year, and it was so well booked this year that there's probably like eight to ten guys who are just coming out of this tournament hotter than they were when they came into it. And we just talked about two of them with Willow Spray and Shingo, and then there's Lance Archer, and you know you go on and on. Kota Bushi, obviously, yeah, Jay- Sonata, despite the the loss to Bad Luck Folly in the final night, which was stupid. They should have had Sonata win that one, but yes. I think he ultimately, though, I, I think people will remember the win over Okada more, more than they'll remember. You know, a loss to Balak Fowler on the final night. So, yes, yeah, Sonata for sure. Jay White, I think, absolutely comes out of this hotter than when he came in. So, you know, and there's probably a couple. Of, oh, Ishii, of course. I mean, with the with the incredible tournament that he had. But one person who definitely isn't coming out of this tournament hotter than when they came in was Naito. Naito is definitely someone who, um, you know, it, it, he feels directionless coming out of this now. But the thing about Naito losing is. Again, I am I, I refuse to write off that ultimately the plan is Naito Okada in the dome again until they burn that match off elsewhere. Right. And they have I, they I have think it's important. Yeah, that's an important thing that I think a lot of people sort of gloss over and don't talk about is that if if they truly said because a lot of people are basically saying, okay, well they, they, they think Naito's trash or whatever, they 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 have no plans for him or they have nothing. If they didn't have plans for him or they had no ideas and yada yada, whatever they've they've carefully kept Okada and Naito so far away from each other for years now. I mean they didn't they weren't in the same blocks in the G1. They're never they 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 just they're always apart from one another. Whether that's completely by accident and they they really truly don't believe that Naito has anything and they don't care about Naito and yada yada whatever you want to say. I, I I will not believe like you said. I, I I'm right in your boat too that I will not believe that they would just keep those two away from each other as much as they have if they don't still have that in their back pocket and they still don't think that that's a match down the, down the line. Unless, again, they're just willfully ignorant to the idea that they've kept them apart, but I, I don't buy that because they're, they're not willfully ignorant to any matchup in this company. Everything that's done, we always say, is done for a purpose and done for a reason. And I got to believe that that match being protected is being done for a reason. Yeah, I mean, you know, so otherwise they would have done it somewhere else. Um, and, and they haven't. And I think it's the biggest money match that they have right now, and they continue to hold it in their back pocket. And even after the completion of the G1 last week, I was I was saying publicly, I was I'm not even writing off the idea that Naito Okada won't happen at this Wrestle Kingdom. I, I'm still not writing off that. Whether that means Naito somehow wins a briefcase, whether that means that with the two dome shows they do something wacky, 
with like a mini tournament that people have proposed or, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, I'm not even writing off the possibility that Naito gets that match against Okada and that win against Okada at this Wrestle Kingdom on one of those two shows. I don't think that's impossible. I think that's actually a distinct possibility still, even though he didn't win the tournament. So, um, look, it's like Naito fans are emotional. We all know that. Okay, I, I don't know why they're more emotional than other fans. I, I and I'm not interested in figuring it out. It's whatever to me. I have no skin in the game. I'm not emotional about any of these. Right, right, right. I think I think it's credit to him in, in a lot of ways too. I think there is sort of a, a connection that he sort of built with people. And I think in one way, without trying to kind of <laughs> trying to diagnose exactly why people are so passionate about it too, is I think also the losing does have an aspect of that as well. The fact that he has quote unquote choked in some of these big moments allows people to kind of get in a little bit more and feel like he's a vulnerable and feel like he's again, like if the character has been him against the new Japan offense, him against new Japan, him against the book. So it's, it, it's a convenient story and you can kind of buy into the underdog. He's kind of this underdog story that you're going on right now, but we'll talk about it in a sec is, is just too much losing eventually become the, the opposite effect where then people start saying, okay, you know what? Actually, this guy's just a loser and I don't really like him anymore. Like no. I think right now they've done a decent balance of like people get, invested in him because he hasn't had that moment and because they want him to to feel that moment and, and feel like they're a part of this ride or whatever but again yeah if he keeps losing and keeps choking eventually it's like all right what am i you know why am i along on this ride for him i disagree i've been hearing that for so long that i'm tired of hearing it how many years have we been hearing they're gonna run people off the the, the lij fans are gonna give up the nido fans are gonna give up they storm out in the building every time how many how many years are we gonna have to listen to this it's not going to happen it hasn't happened yet, and there's no indication that's going to happen. For three years, we've been hearing how New Japan is foolishly running off the Naito fans, and the last three years, they've set business records every year. So who are they really running off? I'm sorry. I don't buy it anymore. I do not buy it anymore. Um, I, I, I think it's nonsense. I don't think there's any evidence whatsoever that the booking of Tetsuya Naito has run off a single fan. And if there is, show it, show me. And I don't care about performative goofballs on Twitter screenshotting their canceled subscriptions when they probably just resubscribe the next day. I, I don't care about that. Show me real, tangible, statistically relevant evidence that the booking of Tetsuya Naito has run off fans. I challenge anyone to do that. You can, you can examine Naito's main events and tell me if he's not drawing as well, okay? Naito J. White just outdrew Kazuchika Okada and Kota Ibushi from the night before. So you can't point to Naito's drawing power. You can't point to the overall business or health of the company when they just had their most successful financial year ever last year and are on pace to break that again this year and just had their most successful G1 again this year. Okay, so you can't point to the overall health of the business. You can't point to company revenue. You can't point to Naito's drawing power. Who are they running off? So I'm sorry. I am tired of listening to that. I don't want to hear it. I don't believe it. I don't buy into it. And I don't buy into the idea that he's just a forgotten man until they do Okada and Naito at fucking New Beginning and wherever the fuck. When they burn that match off somewhere else, I will believe that they have no intention of doing it at a dome. And... I'm still I'm still standing here today saying that you might see it at this Wrestle Kingdom. And if you do, I think Naito's gonna win. And maybe I am the fool, okay, who's gonna get fooled again 
And I won't. And here's the other thing, Rich. By the way, I don't care if Okada beats him again. That wouldn't bother me at all. Because again, I'm not emotionally invested in him or really anyone in this company. I just like the matches. They're good and they tell good stories. And I'm not wrapped up in Naito ever winning that title. Naito, if Naito never won that title again, it's no skin off my back. If he beat Okada on the 5th of January and held it for a year, it's no skin off my back. I don't care either way. I am so um, I am so just agnostic on Tetsuya Naito that it, it, it doesn't matter to me. But I'm, I seem to be the only one who still thinks, and, and you too, you know, who still thinks that, that this is ultimately the plan. I'm like the only one that still has faith in, in, in what they're doing with Naito. Because it's just common sense. The yeah, I, I, I think faith might be a. I, I don't know that I have faith in it. I just find it interesting that the, the that the match has still not been done. That they've they've held it off. Faith is faith is an interesting word. And I think one of the big things that that, that I bring up with, with, with Naito and, and and what happened with this build up at the G One and 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 this result and whatnot is is you know in in one respect like and we're gonna talk about it a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna talk about how the Jay White thing was like how we enjoyed the Jay White thing and the Kotobushi man. Like we're gonna talk about that in a sec because because I do I'm fine with it. I'm fine with the decision that they made. While at the same time wondering, ah, is that really the right move or is that, ah, I don't know if I would do that. And the one thing that I bring up and and the reason why I brought up of of Naito kind of appearing to be a loser is that he makes these grandiose things about oh I'm gonna win two belts I'm gonna win this G1 I'm gonna do all that sort of stuff and then and then and then just you know goes out there and loses and and loses convincingly to Jay White too and I thought that was really interesting as well as how they sort of structured that match and that's that more than the booking decision itself got me a little worried is is not, not well not worried maybe not the right word but but got me kind of like yeah that's 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 strange because Jay White didn't really need a lot of interference Jay White didn't need a lot of help like Jay White just beat Naito in the middle of the ring he just hit the hit the switchblade and beat him which I, again like in a, for a result as a pure result, is fine because it got mega heat and JYP became the biggest heel in the world and he transferred that the next night over to Kotobushi and that was an incredible match we're going to talk about here in a bit. I just found it a little weird how convincingly JYP beat Naito, which led me to believe, okay, what's the next step here? Like, I've, I've bought into the story from here on out. I'm, I'm not fully invested in this story quite yet because I'm kind of curious, okay, what are you doing with Naito? What's the next step with him? But then when that finish happens, it's like, all right, well, now really, I'm like you said, directionless. Uh, directionless. Like, wh where do we get? Because I am still like you. I'm still trying to chart a path where Naito goes to Wrestle Kingdom, where Naito faces Okada. And maybe we're wrong and maybe we're dumb for doing that, but I'm still wondering in my head, okay, how do you get to that point? And I haven't broken that point yet. But I'm starting to worry that like there might not be a path towards that right now, and 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 the way he loses, how convincingly he loses, and just some of the other stuff has me believing. Okay, what what what? You know, we're, we're January fourth is pretty close now, and 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 this guy is nowhere near where he needs to be to get to that point. But but I don't know. It, it, anything can happen in these next few months. It's look. I'm not. Let me be clear. I'm not saying that Naito versus Okada at either of the Wrestle Kingdom shows is like would be the would be the favorite that i don't think that's like the clubhouse leader for where that like obviously i think okada abushi right now looks like it's going to be the main event i'm just saying i can't write off the possibility that naito sneaks in there i i can't write that off not when they haven't had anybody lose a briefcase yet so that is always on the table and not when you have these two shows and where you have kota abushi saying that he wants to win both both titles back-to-back -back nights which is what he said at the presser the other night he wants to beat okada on night one and he wants to, or, or whoever, well, he didn't specifically say Okada. He said he wants to win because we know he has title defenses between now and then. But he, he wants to win the IWGP title on night one. And he said he wants to win the Intercontinental title on night two, which 
yes, that could be a Bushi just talking out of his ass because he's crazy, and we all know that. Or it could be the directive he was given to go out there and say that. Uh, so we have to consider that, that maybe they're thinking about having some kind of scenario where this two-dome thing, which is uncharted territory, and we, did, we don't know how they're going to handle that, maybe the hook is going to be you're going to see our four best wrestlers in a little mini tournament, and one of them is going to come out of those two days with both of the belts. Because we've seen Naito talk about it, and now we've seen Ibushi talk about it. And if that's the case, I mean, if they announce, like, obviously, I think you're getting Okada Naito on the back end of that. I mean, to me, that's what you do. Or, or um, you know, or at least there's the possibility to get. So there's a lot of different paths to get to Okada Naito here this year, let alone next year. Okay, it's always going to be a possibility because it, it, it's still their biggest drawing match. But Rich, let me ask you this: Would it be so bad? that Naito keeps losing important matches in big spots if they're using him as the impetus to get other people over for the greater good of their business. In other words, you just mentioned, Jay White came out of this G1 just the hottest fucking heel in the business. And part of that was because he beat Naito and then you know had the great match against Ibushi and all that. And Naito all year long put over Kota Ibushi if Naito is super over and bulletproof, and uh, then is he the guy that needs to be pushed, or can you use him to get other? If you're using him to get other people over, is that like the worst decision in the world? Is that the worst thing in the world? What do you think about that? Um, <laughs> again, like me personally, I I don't care. To, to me, I'm not like you said. I'm not super emotionally invested in the Tetsuya Naito story and 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 him as a wrestler and him as a as a human being or whatever. So to me, I'm fine with that. I, I I'd be perfectly okay with that because I I like the idea of of creating more stars and I like the idea of him being the guy that 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 gets really close and then can't do it, but then the guys that do beat him sort of emerge from that. Eventually, that that is going to have an expiration date. You can't just have him lose and lose and lose and lose. Like you said, yeah. he's bulletproof now, but is he going to be bulletproof if he keeps losing? If it, after two years, he's, he keeps losing, keeps losing, keeps losing. Like I would almost argue this one might be one where it's just like, ooh, okay, like maybe, maybe he doesn't have that sort of or about him anymore maybe he doesn't well, we'll have to see we don't know exactly right now we're, we're you know a few days out from the uh the match happening so we don't know what the fallout's going to be we don't know what that next step is going to be so I, I i think for me personally no I, w I wouldn't hate that i'd be completely fine with that but i could see how a lot of people and, and and rightfully so would be a little upset about that story and it does feel it just feels unfulfilled with, with naito and, th and that's the thing is it doesn't feel like there's a finality to his story there doesn't feel like there is sort of a the chapter hasn't really ended. It feels like it's still open, and, and 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 that's both good and bad. Like you said, the good is that you can still have that Okada match. That anytime you want to fire him up and ready to go, and he he's there and he's he's ready for that. But the, it does feel like the chapter is sort of getting close to ending because it's like, all right, Wrestle Kingdom twelve was that was years ago now. At this point, it's like we're still kind of chasing that high, and we're still sort of chasing what happened there, and 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 that might never happen again like that might be over and he might never get his revenge for that and and i don't know that a lot of people i, I don't even know if myself and i'm not like i said i'm not super emotionally emotionally invested in naito but i don't know that i'm ready to kind of close that chapter and say okay well yeah he, he didn't win the big one and then yeah it didn't happen and then he lost the g1 and that it, it is what it is like it just feels to me it feels unfulfilled right now it feels like it, they, they haven't closed that chapter yet and and i don't know if they ever will i really don't i don't know if it just slowly ends and and that's it i, I don't know I'm i'm really I'm very curious about the next step for Naito. Is it a crime if he never beats Okada? I mean, is it a crime against humanity no. if that happens? No, not really. I mean, 
who really makes a big deal out of that other than the staunchest of Naito fans? I mean, look at it this way. They picked, the bottom line here is they picked Okada at some point in 2011 and decided this is going to be the guy. And we're going to use Tanahashi to get him over. And this is going to be our guy for the next decade. And we're just going to put our, 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 the pedal to the floor. And we're going to, this guy's going to make or break us. That's the decision they made. Right. And they ran with it. And it's inarguable that it worked. I, I, you know, nobody with, you know, it's pointless to even consider debating that point. And it's like, fortunately, Naito happens to be peaking at the same time when they made a decision to pick somebody else. And it's like, here's the other thing. It's not like he'd even be historically that that happened to. You know what I mean? It's like, this isn't unprecedented. Dusty Rhodes never got the big run, Rich. I mean, it's like if Dusty Rhodes, and he lived, and it's like he's a legend, and he's considered, it's like, I, I don't know. It's just a fucking title. You know what I mean? It's like. Right. And, and I think a lot of it, too. Did, not to interrupt, but I think a lot of it too is a lot of American fans that that have maybe got newer into, and I'm I'm, I'm one of them. Like I'm not going to say, oh, right, you know, I, I was a pro guy before you guys were. A lot of us, I think, grew up in the the age of of major American wrestling, where you know everybody that's worth it gets a title run at some point. You, you know what I mean? Whereas in New Japan, it especially in New Japan, there are guys. The list is littered with guys that were like. Very good wrestlers, top of their class, really, really good all time. That just never got the title run because it is it is so protected and it's so different. And I don't get did get that title run. That's the thing that that I think we kind of forget too is that he did have it. It just felt that one felt so weird and felt like it wasn't the one. And then he you know and that might be it. Maybe that is like they thought that they gave him that title and he had that little run with it. And his job at the end of the day was to put Okada over again and and then just sort of that's his role or whatnot. But but. You know, when I say that the, it didn't get that title, I mean like the big definitive, like yeah, this guy's yeah. our guy. This is the run with this you know guy. What, and like, you know what he had, plenty he had of guys a, that didn't. Play, he got a Dusty Rhodes. He got a little Dusty Rhodes run. Dusty exactly. Rhodes won the right. NWA World Title three times, but he lost it back a week later or a month later. And it's like, that's what Naito got. He didn't get like a strong fucking run. He got a little Dusty Rhodes win. And it's like, you know, I forget who I was talking to, but there's like this perception that he never wins anything. And someone was like, oh, well, Naito never wins. And I'm like, oh, hold on a second. He's won the IWGP heavyweight title. He's won multiple G1s. He's, he's, he's won every title that they have. Every, he's won both tag team titles. He's won all three singles titles. He's won the uh, G1 multiple times. He's won the Intercontinental title multiple times. He's done everything you can do. Yet there's this perception that he never wins anything. I'm like, what more do people want? They want that win over Okada in the dome and a, and a, and another title win, right? But what I'm saying is, okay, if he ultimately doesn't get that, is it really that big a deal? Like, he has won a shit ton of stuff while the company was completely focused on another person, and he was been treated like a top guy the whole time. And it's like, I don't know, Rich. It's starting to annoy me. Like this entitlement that people see, people think this guy's like entitled to another title win. And I don't, and it's like, I don't know. It, it just, it, it, it gets annoying after a while. 
Do you understand where I'm coming from? Like, I'm just tired of hearing about yeah, it. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, I, I get it. And I think a lot of it is because his 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 popularity in Japan, whether, whether you know, again, like, I, I don't know exactly. I'm, I'm not there. I don't know exactly. But I know that, like, he ranks pretty well in a lot of the polls that they do and a lot of the fan polls and stuff. But like you said, we have yet to see the, okay, you're not pushing Naito. Fuck it. I'm, I'm done. I'm not going to all your live shows. I'm not watching anything that you do anymore. It just keeps growing and growing and growing and growing. Now, eventually, will that turn? Maybe. I, maybe it will. But there's no evidence for it yet. So it seems kind of weird that we're just kind of predicting or sort of saying, all right, well, they didn't give it tonight. So, well, all these people are going to leave now because they haven't left yet. And like, uh, there, there, again, there might be a breaking point where it happens, but it might, it just might not happen. Maybe they just say, ah, you know, I don't really like Naito anymore. Now I like uh, this guy. I like Kotobushi now. And they just become fans of Kotobushi. And there's this idea that like, if they don't push Naito, all those LIJ fans are just done, gone and to never be seen again. And, and and again, I'm not saying that that doesn't exist or that it might not exist. They're just like you said, there's no evidence of it so far. There's just no evidence that it has happened yet. So it just seems weird to kind of assume that, oh, well, they're all gone or, oh, geez, they're, they're screwed. So it's just kind of like, I, I don't know. It, it, it's it's weird. It, it is definitely different. But uh, they, they, passionate fans, man, that's that's what it is. It's really, well, I mean, they, they, I, they make it very well known that, they, that they're upset. Well, remember, I'm still the only one who thinks he's going to beat Okada. I mean, I, I still think that's happening, whether it's this year or next year. Um, because again, until they burn off that match, I'm not convinced they're not doing it. I, cause then otherwise it makes zero sense. Uh, because if, if, if that wasn't an ultimate long-term plan, you could be using that. You can do that match three times next year on other shows and draw three enormous houses. Why wouldn't you do that? And this isn't a company that hasn't shown that kind of booking acumen. I mean, they, 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 beat matchups into the ground until they don't draw anymore. Look at Tanahashi Okada. They beat that into the ground until it stopped drawing. You're telling me they wouldn't do the same with Okada Naito? Of course they would. You'd be getting at Dominion and King of Pro Wrestling. They'd, they'd pick a year and pair those guys up and they'd get three big houses out of them. Why haven't they done that? Because they're planning on doing it at a dome. I mean, come on, people. Use your heads. I mean, it's just at some point you have to step back and use common sense. Okay. And again, until I see that match headlining fucking uh, whatever the fuck, destruction in Bipu, I don't want to fucking hear that they're never going back to it. I don't want to hear it. I don't buy it. So um, the whole Naito thing, look, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world where from a business perspective, you say to yourself, we've got our giant star. It worked. Okay. We've got this other guy who's enormously popular. He remains enormously popular. and man, you know, we could use him to get other people over. We don't have to sacrifice Okada to get people over because this guy's so enormously popular that wins over him or him are significant. And, you know, he can help move the line along. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world. I mean, and we've seen wrestlers historically used in that manner. You mentioned in Japan, we've seen great wrestlers who were comparable stars to Naito who either didn't get the big run or didn't get a run at all or got a gold watch run or got a short run like Naito did. The comparison I've seen is Chono, okay? Um, which is, uh, you know, a pretty close comparison in that regard. I think Chono won the title once, right? He didn't have some kind of fucking yeah, Okada let me, let me, run let me, ever. let me see about him. I mean, he's always in the mix, though. He, he is a pretty good cop because, like, you watch anything and, like, Chono's always, like, winning G1s or in the cop. finals. And he's always there, but yet he's never, like, yeah, let me let me think. I think just one, I want to say, is only rain. Yeah, only one rain uh, for Chono. One he won rain, it right? in 1998. 1998 and then uh, never again. 
Yeah, and it's like, and it ended with the broken neck, I think. So who knows what would have happened? Um, I'm pretty sure it ended. Uh, yes, he yeah, he, uh, he his neck injury was later later in September. Yeah, yeah, the vacated. So it's like I don't know if he would have had who, you know, I I mean, but you know, that's the other thing too. You look at the history of New Japan; they don't do long title reigns. That's why the Okada title reign was so special, and why the Tanahashi title reign was so special because. You look at the history of New Japan, guys would rarely hold the title for longer than a couple of months. Uh, you, you only have a few throughout history where those guys got long, sustained runs. And it's more of a, a Gato thing than a New Japan thing to do the long title run to really cement a guy as a major star. They did it with Tanahashi, obviously, and then they, they did it with Okada to have Okada top Tanahashi and sort of come out ahead in that, you know, rivalry to to build this enormous star that they have but um circling back it's like you know naito has accomplished as much as anyone with maybe the exception of okada and tanahashi like historically in that company you know and, and it's like it, let's not act like he gets nothing let's not act like he's not pushed or you know it's like and, and, and let's not act like he hasn't won the title and i get it they want that one that's it's he was a heel at the time. There was interference in the match, and his character was a little different then. And now he's a clear-cut babyface, and you want that big. And listen, again, right, they not, wanted Destino in the middle of the Tokyo Dome, yes. and he raises his hands up in the air as confetti falls. Like I, I get I it. Get I, it. I, I, I've been I've been clamoring for that too. I thought for sure we're getting WrestleMania or Wrestle Kingdom twelve. Just I think it you and I were saying, bet the house, it's happening. Of course, it's happening. Duh, it's happening. It never did, and it, it didn't happen. And I think we're all still sort of, and and many of those fans are still kind of waiting for that. That moment, that Destino in the middle of the Tokyo Dome, hand in the air with confetti falling, and and eh, I don't know, I don't know. And I'm not opposed to it, and I still think it's going to happen. I just don't think it's like some fucking crime if it doesn't. But I do think it it, it will happen for reasons I'm not going to keep repeating. Right. But I, you know, uh, we had a few people ask us: is uh, is Naito a geek for saying that he was going to win both belts and he's going to win the G1 and then he doesn't win? No, that's ridiculous. He's okay, not. A yeah, geek. He's not a geek yet. He's not, not. He's not quite the Goto status yet. So. I mean, it, it's it's. Here's the thing, too, that people have to understand, and we can pivot this to Jay White now. Okay, you better get used to Jay White. If you don't like him, I I don't know. You know, you're gonna have a hard time over the next decade. Because the only thing preventing Jay White from being a tippy top guy in this company for the next ten years is if he signs with WWE. Because that is what they're doing with Jay White. Um, and it's like, you know, this, this, his performances at the end of the Naito match, and especially the Ibushi match, were just so fucking great. And it's funny, you see people say, oh, Jay, Jay White's a bad wrestler. And it's like, it's the automatic clue that you have no idea what you're talking about if you think Jay White's a bad wrestler. This guy is working to his character and working to his gimmick in, in such an incredible way, okay, and getting the right kind of heat off of it. Everybody in those buildings hate his fucking guts, and it's in the right way. You had 12,000 people rooting for Kota Ibushi. 
Yeah, in that which match. rarely happens. Which, too. I mean, go back yeah. and watch some of the G ones. I've been watching a bunch of them. Um, you know, as, as you know, uh, Chris Charlton again, who, or uh, WH Park, I should say, uh, has been doing the series on post wrestling where he's going through the Tokyo Dome main events and whatnot. I've been going back and kind of watching them as I'm, I'm watching them, and a lot of them, really even historically too, are like two dudes that everybody likes. Like, yeah, it's it's these two guys, and we both like them, and yeah, we're gonna root for everybody, and and just hope it's a great match. Like, you very, very, very rarely in history have. One guy that the crowd 100% says, we want this guy to win and fuck that other guy. We hope he dies. And you're getting that with Jay White. And it's awesome, Joe. It's so great. I love heel heat. I love people living and dying by the baby face. This is something that we're just not used to in, in, in New Japan a whole lot. Because no, because it's like, and you, have a, and you have fans that turned Okada and Naito. The fans turned those guys. They were heels at one time. Right. You know, and it's like, the fans aren't turning this dude. They fucking want him dead. With a shit bag. He's a piece of shit. Yeah. <laughs> they 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 are doing a better pure heel with Jay White than than anybody else is doing with anyone else in the world right now. He's he, he, nobody roots for him. And the dynamic in that match with Ibushi, that atmosphere was incredible. It was an old school territory atmosphere. The big match with the big heel and the 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 super the awesome baby face, right? And it was just good versus evil. And it was the kind of match where it's like, okay, you don't even care. Uh, like if you're if you're watching that match and you're paying attention to like the nuances of Abushi selling, you totally missed the plot. You were totally missing the point of that match. Okay, that match was about good versus evil. The atmosphere and good overcoming evil at the end and giving the feel good moment. That's what that match was. And it had drama and excitement and all of those things. That was a drama, excitement, atmosphere, story match. That wasn't a let me break down the execution of this hold and let me study the selling. No, you, you, that's the kind of match where you turn off that part of your brain and you just turn on. What did I like about wrestling when I was 11? Right, wrestling 101 is it's the the, the babyface yes. overcoming an injury and overcoming the shitbag and his asshole manager. Correct. <laughs> it's just classic heel face. Yeah, it's just it's, and, it's, and, it's 101. And the, and the building was on fire, which is why when people say, "Ah, oh, Jay White's terrible," it's like, do you have ears? Like, why do you think that building was so hot for that match? Okay, with apologies to Kota Ibushi. Who, who perfectly fit into his role as well as Jay White. Jay White did that. He beat their guy the night before, which is what I was talking about earlier, and you can use Naito to make someone else. He, he pissed everybody off and beat their guy the night before and had people filing out and then was mocking them as they were leaving. Oh, where are you guys going? How great was that promo? He was like, oh, where are you guys going as they were leaving? Mm-hmm. And then Naito's getting carried out, and he, and he goes, get that piece of shit out of here. Oh, oh my God. What a fucking promo. Then they're like, they want to kill him even more. You know? So then you get him the next night against the Bushi after he attacks the guy with the chairs. Okay. Why do you think that building was on fire? Like it was because of Jay white. I mean, I'm just seeing these Jay white takes and I'm not even bothering to argue with people. Cause it's like, they're just not going to get it. It's like, I can't, you can't have a conversation with someone who, who didn't see what occurred over those two nights with Jay White. And all this is doing, in addition to building 
a mega heel. Okay. And, and this guy who can beat you with a flash pin out of nowhere, which they established with Okada at the Wrestle Kingdom. And they established with Naito, right? It's like there's so much tension in his matches because you want him to lose, but you know he can win it at any moment because of the way they've, they've structured the back end of his matches. So there's, it's tense. It's dramatic. It's exciting. And look, I'm not telling you you have to like his matches. Rich. Right. There's some stuff. There's some clunky stuff that I'm not fully in love with. Listen, I buried a lot of his G1 matches because sometimes it's too much, but I get the end game. And then when you get moments like this against Ibushi, or you get moments like the Wrestle Kingdom match against Okada, or you get when he beat Tanahashi, or like that's where it all pays off. Okay. In the biggest of matches, this guy fucking rules. And his character and all of the shit that you put up with in the other matches pays off when he's in a big match like this. That match, look, was that the technically, you know, was Abushi's selling fucking perfect? And was, you know, that technically, no, but I mean, God, you know, matches can be great in different ways. And if you couldn't get into that with that crowd and that excitement and that drama and that tension, I don't know, man. That's like the essence of pro wrestling right there. So, um, you know, they've, they've built this thing with Jay White. And all this is going to do ultimately is make him an even bigger baby face when they decide to do that turn. And it's not going to be anytime soon. But if this guy sticks around in this company, he's going to be a top face for the back end of that run. You know, and, and, and it's going to be because they've built up all of this um, stock with him as a heel. You know, you, you, some of your best baby faces historically. You know, we're coming off heel run. You wait till the fans are ready for it. You wait till he's going to start getting, you know, it's like he gets no cheer. He gets like 5% cheers now. He'll start getting 10%. He'll start getting 20%. The thing with him, which is, which is good, is that he's such a shit bag that it's going to take a while, which is good. We want that. Yes. Like, I think we want, like, he, there's nothing fun or cool about Jay White. He's just an absolute piece of shit, and you hate him. Which is good. <laughs> like yeah. for wrestling, is the heels are supposed to be shit bags. We've kind of gotten used to the last thirty years heels being cool guys. Heels being, I'm smarter than you. I'm cooler than you. I'm better than you. Like yeah, all that sort of stuff. That's not what a, a classic heel should just be a, a shit bag that you don't want to cheer for. And that's what Jay White is. He's a turd. Yeah. <laughs> like you hate him. I hate him. I, I I love watching him lose, but also respecting at the same. Like if I went to a show, there's no chance in hell that I'm. I'm ironically cheering for Jay White. Fuck that guy. He's an asshole. Boo. Like, I want, I want Kota Bushi to beat his ass. Like, why would you, you not root for Bushi in that you, you did go to a show. You went to MSG. Yeah, exactly. I'll and, fuck that guy. Yeah, I booed the hell out of him. And Okada won. Yeah, and the did. fucking roof blew off. And it's, you know, we all saw a special moment. And it's like, it's like New Japan, this reputation. It's, oh, it's just, it's all great matches. There's no stories and this and that. Meanwhile, we all know that's bullshit. People say there's no stories. But meanwhile, while people say it, they have successfully built a heel better than WWE has. And when is the last time WWE built a heel like this? I can't remember. I cannot remember. You know, it's like, and that's supposedly what they do better than anyone. We tell stories. It's like, you don't even do that the best anymore. Like, they have you beat in that regard too. They created a fucking North American style heel better than you do. Like, let alone the match quality and all that. You know, it's like, it's crazy how much better this company does everything than the other one. That's supposed to be good at things like creating a heel like Jay White. It, it, that's the other thing I'm thinking about watching this show. Why can't WWE build a heel like this? 
It's crazy. You know, it, it, it reminds me how broken that company is and how frustrating it is to cover that company. And I hope AEW is much better at it than they are. But we'll see. And it's like, so yeah, people are just so missing the plot on Jay White. And again, you don't, I'm not telling you you have to love his matches, but you have to understand what's happening here. And you, you have to recognize that the push that they're giving him is working to perfection. Like, did you not hear that crowd? You know, everything they're doing with him, step by step, is working. The only thing left for Jay White to prove is that he can draw on top. And I've got to tell you, outdrawing Abushi Okada the night before is a pretty good first step in showing that Jay White can successfully draw on top. You know, it's still a quite Listen, I'm not telling you that he's like, he's still got to prove that he can be that. But I, there's no proof that he's not a draw. When has he ever bombed on top? Never. So it's like everything they're doing is right. And once he proves he can draw, there's no more arguments against him. Uh, one thing I wanted to bring up as well is I see a lot of talk uh, about Jay White. And and by the way, if you listen to this show for as many years and if you listen to Jay White as he was coming, we told you this four years ago. This guy was going to be a star. You know what I mean? Like 2015, we're telling you this guy is going to be a star. This guy, he, you could just tell from the Young Lion days, you could tell by the way that they were treating him and the pinfalls that he was getting, all this sort of stuff, that this guy was going to be the star. Like he was going to emerge in this Young Lion class as the star. So again, if you listen to the show, you were smarter than most people. But one thing that I've noticed is a lot of people bringing this thing up about and I get it. He he's not Japanese. Yes, he is from what in New Zealand or whatever. I, 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 yeah, Auckland, New Zealand. I think is is his hometown. He's New Zealand, yeah. But he is as I was trying to think. Of, I, I forget the town. I actually realized I don't know many towns in New Zealand. But he is as I was like, well, no, that's the only town I know. So that's probably where he's from. Um, I get it. He is not Japanese. He is not from Japan. But like, he is as New Japan as as they come. The idea that 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 and, and I guess because I see people saying, oh, well, you know, he's just a gaijin and I, I hate that they keep pushing gaijins and all this sort of stuff. I get it if you're talking about AJ Styles. I get it if, if you're talking about a Kenny Omega. I get it if you're talking about whoever, Juice Robinson, th those sort of guys. I'm, I'll be honest. I, again, I know he's not Japanese. I know he's from New Zealand, but I don't know that I can truly call this guy 100% a four because he came up in that that system as early. I mean, he had, what, 10 matches, 20 matches under his belt before he was in that dojo. Doing stuff there, I know by its definition he is he is a foreigner. By his definition, he is, but he is as New Japan as anybody else in that company. You know, they didn't just pluck this guy up from the Indies and push him to the moon. This guy wrestled in nothing shows in New Zealand and I think a little bit in the UK, and they plucked him up and they built him from scratch. He is as New Japan as anybody else in that roster, whether he's Japanese or not. Yeah, do, do you see what I'm saying? Like it, it, it gets me. I don't know. I get a little annoyed when I just see people like, ah, yeah, he's just another gaijin. Ah, they're just pushing another gaijin. And yes, by his very definition, he is. But he's not. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he is. He, he, he's not here just because he was a star elsewhere and they brought him here. I mean, he, they built this guy up from the ground up. Everything that you see from Jay White is because of New Japan's tutelage and their training and their dojo and, and everything that happened there. So I, I just don't buy that he's like this guy that just I, I don't know. Do, do, you, do you understand what I'm kind of coming from or why I get I annoyed do. about yeah, that? Yeah, yeah, no. It's no, just like I, I know that he's I know he's not Japanese. I know he's technically a foreigner. I, I just when, when people use that term and they throw it around, this isn't you know Stan Hansen. This isn't Vader. This isn't AJ Styles. This isn't guys like that. This is a guy who who came up in the system. He just happens to not be Japanese. 
But but he has he's done the work to get to this point. There's a reason why he's so good, and there's a reason why they why why they're giving him as many of these opportunities as they as they are. I mean, he is a guy who's been there since day one. And like you said, the only thing that would stop it is is, is you know if he signed with WWE. But I to me, like, do you ever see? I, I don't ever see that for Jay White. I'm never gonna say never with guys. But this is a dude that 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 did not come up in the American Indies. Did not come up. I don't know that he dreams of going to WWE. I don't know what he dreams of. I don't know exactly. But I can't imagine he's not happy with what he's doing right now. I mean, this is this is all he knows in pro wrestling is New Japan. So so the idea that he's just like this guy that they push because he's he's a white dude or whatever. Like I, I just I hate that because it's like no, this guy busted his ass from from 2015 in the dojo until today to get to where he's at right now. And 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 it's. It's been a culmination of a lot of years and a lot of build for it as well. It's not just one day they signed this guy and said, ah, white foreigner guy that everybody loves. Cool. We'll, we'll push him to the moon. I mean, that, that's not at all what happened with Jay White. So, I don't know. That's no, just that's, me. So, yeah. It, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, a lot of that is people just don't like him, so they're going to attack anything from any angle that they can. Um, that stuff, you know how I feel about that. We We haven't had that discussion in a while, but. I give no credence to any of that. This, you know, you can only push so many foreigners and no, this is nonsense. It's pro wrestling. It's a business. You push the best people possible who can draw the best money possible. doesn't matter who they are or where they came from. That's how I feel about it. That's how I feel about every promotion on earth. Um, if, if, if the, if the Japanese fan base, if the new Japan fan base feels that there's too many foreigners or too many gaijins being pushed, they'll let you know with their wallet and then you adjust accordingly. But, um, you know, it's, it's the, the fan base doesn't seem to mind. So I, I never pay attention to that stuff. Uh, you know, it's, it's just, it's dumb. Um, as far as Jay White goes, yeah, I mean, he's, he came through their dojo after very limited experience. He's essentially a homegrown guy. Um, you know, he's as much homegrown as, uh, like, I don't know, like Chad Gable would be in WWE, who had a handful of indie matches, and then, but he's you know essentially a fucking performance center guy. You know, he came through their system because um, you know they had no significant runs elsewhere. And yeah, I do think that's unfair. And I, I don't know what's in his head. I mean, money talks. I mean, if AEW or WWE made a good offer to to him or anyone else, yeah, I'm sure they'd consider it. I I don't know what his ultimate goals are. I do know that we were told, you know, a couple of years ago that he's got some personal reasons why he would prefer to stay in Japan. And, um, you know, I don't know if that has changed or anything, and I haven't really followed up to find out, but that's what the last, remember we were told that? Is that ringing a bell for you? Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's got some, you know, he's Well, got and, some- and being from New Zealand, it's a lot easier to fly from fucking Japan to New Zealand than it is from, you know, Florida, Winter Park, Florida to New Zealand, so. Which is exactly why he prefers to be in Japan right now. All right. So, um, you know, so, so I don't know. I, I, listen, it's do I think he spends his entire career in New Japan? Probably not. Who does? It's like that's rare for a non-Japanese, even if they come up through the dojo. You know, it's like it's you got to really love limit living in a in that culture and everything. And 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 other companies are going to come at you harder. Um, if you can obviously, if you're a native English speaker and all those things, so it, it, it's unlikely he spends his entire career in, in Japan, but I, I don't, you know, the way things are going now, why would he leave? I mean, the only way you'd leave right now is if you got a call from Cody who said, Hey, look, man, we can build around you and AEW is a year in and they're really cooking and, you know, they offer him a, a gigantic deal. Yeah. Then, you know, that's, that's another circumstance, but 
the way New Japan is booking. Look, he he knows he's getting the mega push. He knows he has ten years of main events in front of him. So if you're gonna take him away, you gotta come really strong. So you know that that's that's the way I look at that. He he obviously knows he's he's locked into being a top guy. How old is he? Like twenty seven? I just looked it up. He's twenty six years old. He's he's annoyingly young at this point. So. He can be a main eventer for 14 years. Yeah, he's 11 years younger than Naito is right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so it's like he could be he he can conceivably be a top guy in this promotion that's doing nothing but growing where people are making a lot of money for for a decade and a half. So if you're going to come at him and make him an offer, it's got to be a, a, an enormous one. All right, so there's that. So that's Jay White. That's kind of the Naito thing. Let's get into the Abushi thing as well. So we'll talk about. Uh, uh, or do you want to do you want to recap the whole G1 finals? Or do you want to talk about that final match now? I think maybe it's a good time to. We touched a little bit on that, but let, let's let's talk about that final match, and then we'll kind of go over that entire show, uh, the twelfth, the, the the final G1 show. But uh, we'll start with the main event there: Kota Bushi defeating Jay White. Uh, we've talked a lot about Jay White at this point. What 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 about Kota Bushi? Finally reaching that moment of the sun, he puts pen to paper on the contract, the lifetime contract, the very bizarre. I, I, how you can get Kotobushi to agree to a lifetime of anything, I, I don't know. But we've seen that that was kind of the barrier for him. Is, is New Japan just wanted to know that he was, you know, invested in them, that he was going to stick around. And when he says he's going to stick around, they went right away and pushed him to the moon. And now he, you know, wins a G1. Uh, and presumably he's going to the main event of uh, of Wrestle Kingdom, which night we don't know. <laughs> you know, possibly both nights. Who the hell knows? But either way, uh, Kotobushi winning the G1. What do you think uh, of that moment? And then we'll kind of, I think, recap the match uh, as we kind of start the the show review. Uh, yeah, I mean, full, but this is a guy that was going four and five in G1s, remember? And it's like, you know, we all knew the reason. But yeah, you know, look, he's a legitimate tippy top star in Japan. We've known that for years, and. Now that, like you said, the pen's to paper, you can go full steam ahead with him. And, uh, you know, the reaction he got on that final night was one that I'm not sure I've heard in this company. That was, that was incredible. And, and, you know, the match itself, I think I already talked about, so I'm not going to repeat all my same points. But, um, yeah, I thought, for the reasons I stated earlier, that it was a great fucking match, I could see why some people wouldn't like the match. I think they need to ju just view it from a different lens. You know, I, I, cause I don't look, here's, here's the thing. If the work was terrible, right. But they were getting those kind of reactions. I wouldn't feel the same about the match, but the work was really good. And they got those kind of reactions. I'm not going to sit here and go nuts because Kota Ibushi forgot to limp for a couple seconds uh, you know, when the rest of the match was as great as it was and the crowd was as hot as it was. That kind of makes up for those things. Um, so for me, it was a great match and a tremendous moment. And really just the booking of both guys just coming together and converging and making for that moment and just making you go, holy shit, this company is just so well put together and well booked. And, uh, you know, if there were like, this is why I think I root so hard for AEW to be similar because man, if we had one or two other companies that were booked like this one, where you, you, you weren't afraid to be emotionally invested in some of this stuff and care about the wins and losses, fuck, it would make this hobby so much better. 
Yeah, it, it's a different experience, you know, watching that. And I was able to watch the, the main event unspoiled and kind of live as everybody else was watching it. And that was just an experience, too, to like kind of be in that atmosphere with everybody and, and, and feel like you were in that crowd. As I'm on Twitter, I'm talking to people. I'm talking to people on our Slack. I'm talking to people on text. Like, it's just because everybody kind of converges. And they, like you said, there's not that worry that, oh, what are they going to do to fuck us over? Oh, what are they going to do to do this? Like, it wasn't, there wasn't any of that. It was just like this moment where it felt, rewarding it felt like no matter what the result was going to be it, you'd feel like you you didn't waste your time but then you also just really wanted kota bushi to win you know what i mean like that was that was it like i feel like if jay white had won that there'd be sort of a deflating like but a good deflating like a good deflating because you gave a lot of your emotion into the match you got really excited for it you did buy in or whatever but kota bushi going through all of it you know gato getting tossed out by rocket Mary, like just it hit every chord like every single thing that they needed to do in that match was perfect jay white coming out with the bullet club red shoe setting the bullet club away gato you know saying hey what about just me and then he fucks around red shoe sends him out so you're like oh here we go one-on-one -on -one match he eventually comes back there was a few a little rough shenanigans and that was the way i was kind of like oh man are we really getting into a little bit more of that oh man we're doing you know we're gonna do this thing or whatever and then red shoes just says fuck off gato get the hell out of here and then tells rocky romero who Gato's been fucking around with the entire G1. He tells Rocky, hey, get this guy out of my ring. And Rocky goes, all right, and picks him up and tosses him out the side. And you're like, boom, there we go. It's going to be Kota versus Jay White. It's just like, that's the stuff you live for. It's just so simple. It's processing 101. Like I said, there's nothing, there's nothing super complex about it. It just takes a little bit of planning and just hitting the chords exactly as they need to be hit. And again, it's very difficult for a lot of wrestling companies to do that. But when companies that do do it, 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 it's so rewarding because it is, like you said, it's so simple and it's so, it's just like, ah, yes, that's, that's what we want. That's what, it just works. It strikes a chord. And like, yeah, when, when, when Rocky grabs Gato and tosses him to the side of the ring, I'm like, here we go. Now, you know, for a fact, and, and it's like, Gato didn't come back again. Like Gato didn't fuck around again. It was, that was the end of him. Now, you know, that you're just getting Kota Bushi versus Jay White. Now, Jay White, all of his, all of his plans are, are, are foiled. There's nothing left for him to do, but then face off against Kota Bushi one-on-one -on -one, and then Kota has to overcome, you know, all that shit and a hurt ankle to win the match and, and, and get the triumphant moment. It was just, yeah, just an, an incredible match. Just one that you absolutely, absolutely love. What would you go uh, star rating wise on that as we, uh, we, we talk about some of this uh, stuff for the rest of the show? This G1 final review is brought to you by Grapple. And uh, I, I went four and a half on this match. Right, right on a dot. I'm exactly the same with you. I couldn't, it wasn't that five, I couldn't say immediately a five star. Like we said, that, that when I do a five star, I have to know it right that second that it's a five. Not quite that for me, but goddamn close at four and a half. Like still, just a tremendous, tremendous match. This didn't have uh, enough to give me all the way to five, but 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 still, four and a half is is, is a tremendous accomplishment. So um, I just want to really quickly though, uh, grapple. I know that a few hours after the show, that thing was at four point nine two. I, I know it was like right up against it. It has gone down a little bit right now on, on Grapple. Two hundred sixty one votes for it. 4.62 so both of us are kind of in the in, in the rough range there uh, of what it was but still i mean that's a tremendous match for an average over 200 ratings are uh it, it's it definitely speaks to to how great that match was so well people are going to be excited in the moment you know you just watch a match like that you're going to run to the app and you know probably overrate it a little you know um so that that's that's probably why it was trending so high yeah it was trending to be like the greatest match of all time which it wasn't um, but it was a great match and a super memorable G1 final. I mean, I'll, I'll remember this as a G1 final for, for a long time. Oh, certainly. Time. No, no doubt. Um, so, yeah, it, 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 it was a tremendous... And it was a different kind of G1 final. You know what I mean? It wasn't like some work, work, work rate classic or some kind of like 
crazy, you know, uh, stereotypical New Japan main event style uh, G1 final. Yeah, it didn't go 45 it, minutes. I mean, last year's event, I mean, last year's match went, what was it, 40, 45, somewhere in that range. You know, this one's still, what, 30, but still. I mean, that, that, that we, we had been trending towards really long G1 finals there, which were just like epics of back and forth and a thousand kickouts or whatever. And this wasn't that. It was just all, it was emotion and heel face dynamics. Yeah, it was a different kind of match entirely. And, um, you know, I think that's good. And again, it speaks to just shattering this false narrative that every New Japan match is the same. I mean, that couldn't be, you know, you watch this match, you watch Jay White main event, you watch a Tomohiro Ishii main event, you watch a, uh, a Toru Yano match in the G1, you watch, uh, you know, Okada main event, you watch, watch Shingo Goto, man. Sh- Shingo that got so That match fucking rocked. Oh my God, that match was great. And all of these matches are different. You know, Lance Archer is doing something different than what everybody else is doing. And it's like, so uh, there's there, there there's that too. But yeah, um, you know, I think we've talked enough about that match. It was a great match and a Absolutely. great moment and a great atmosphere. All right, let's go, let's go with the rest of this card here. We're not going to go into a ton of detail about a lot of these matches because a lot of them are just, just kind of random bags and stuff. Yeah, so uh, we, we do have to talk about the opener, though. We do have to talk about the opener. Car- uh, Clark Connors and Carl Fredericks uh, defeat Ren Narita and Yota Suji. The match itself, very good. Very, very good. The post-match, Joe, how incredible was this post-match? Yeah. Of these and- dudes ripping at each other. They're just like, they're, they're, and, and the way that they played it up on the commentary, I don't know if you listen to the English commentary, is that like everyone's kind of annoyed. They, this is a long tour. And everyone's just annoyed at being around each other. You know what I mean? Like, like you're at a summer camp and you're just like, fuck, the, I'm, I'm sick of all of you. You know what I mean? Like the end of a, a family vacation. You just don't yeah. want to be with these guys anymore. And it's just like at the end of the match, you got, you know, Frederick's talking shit, Connor's talking shit, you know, Narita's shoving guys. And then just like, it, it's just dojo. It's LA dojo versus New Japan dojo. And they're just brawling outside of the ring. They're jumping over guys to get in a fight this was awesome if you if you skip this match or jump past the post match go back and watch it i love this post match yeah and you know it sets the table for the la guys versus the tokyo guys and um one other thing that they've done in this era is they've just presented the young lions a little bit differently And, and 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 they've been very smart about that to where now New Japan fans are invested in these young lions from the moment they debut. And people are watching them more closely. And they're having, you know, they go out there and have great matches a lot of the time. And then it's easier to push those guys when they go away and then come back because, you know, fans are invested in them already. And it wasn't always like that, you know, historically. It's sometimes you'd see young lions with some potential and, and or whatever, but it, it, it's kind of like they were just thrown out there to have basic matches, and they let these guys stretch their legs a little now. They, you know, it, it's they let them do more than you know. Starting with a couple of classes ago, really starting with Yohei and uh, Koma and uh, what the fuck? Uh, Tanaka. Tanaka. I can't yeah. couldn't remember what his name was. It was uh, Kamatsu. Yeah, it was Kamatsu and Tanaka, right? Yeah, uh, Yohei Kamatsu and Shotanai. Yeah, really starting with that class where, um, you know, it, it kind of it changed. It changed a little bit, and you know, you see this now. And that car, listen, Carl Fredericks. Carl Fredericks is going to headline a G1 final. Oh God, yeah, dude, that dude he, is like, and and like, you don't want to like overemphasize it, but he's a dude that like, 
I think if they really wanted to, and they're not going to, and they shouldn't, and they should take their time. If like in six months you wanted to build that guy up as like a megastar, I think you could. Like I, he's obviously he needs a ton more, and I don't want them to do that. But you can see yeah, the makings yeah. of it. You can see he looks like a million bucks. He's presenting himself. He's he's getting around the ring well. Like he, that dude's a that's a guy. You, you know what I mean? That is a he's, like I will be glad. I will come on this podcast and be and 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 say I was wrong and I missed the boat on him. But I don't think we're. I'm going to be wrong, and I don't think we're going to miss the boat on him. This guy, you're right, is going to main event a, a G1 at some point. He, he's a lock. This guy's a lock to be a superstar if he stays in the company. He's. A, I think he's a lock to be a wrestling star. I mean, whether he stays or not. I mean, um, you know, if I'm AEW or, or if I'm William Regal, and you know, I'm watching my fucking G1 on my New Japan World, that's a guy where I'm putting out feelers. You know, he's got the height, he's got the look, he's got uh, the, 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 the in ring. I mean, he he shows fire. I mean, that guy has it all: athletic ability. There's, there's, and, and he is right up New Japan's alley. He is everything that Gato likes to push. So, I mean, you know, that guy. It's a lot. I, I have, I am so confident that that guy is going to be a star. It's like I, it, it, I'm, it's, it's an absolute lock. And Connors can go. The one who I think is a little behind is Yota Suji. I think he's behind the others. Uh, Narita's good. Umino's good. Yumura's good. Yota Suji's the one I worry about a little. Oh, dude, he, by the way, not, not to interrupt, but did you see Yumura on this post match attack just comes out of frame yes. with a fucking flying kick? It was the great. Yeah. I was like, you, that. You, yeah, it was exactly like you. We had had that discussion on last week's yes. show about how he is so stoic. Nineteen ninety six New mm-hmm. Japan, and then he just comes out with a fucking yakuza kick out of nowhere, like a flying kick. It just takes out like six dudes with just the stiffest kick you've ever seen, and it's like, fuck yeah, dude, this guy's awesome. Yeah, Yumura is the one that nobody talks about. <laughs> But like you will be talking about him soon. He he yeah. he, you know. Suji's the one I worry about. Suji's the one who I could see becoming like a Yujiro or a fucking you know a guy that just doesn't. You know, but but who knows? I mean, I you know who know, I could be wrong about that too. But um, but yeah, that that the, the opener was exceptional, and the especially when you throw in the post match. Then there was just a bunch of short, inoffensive. None of them overstayed their welcome tags, which I don't think we need to talk about any of them. Yeah, I'll go real quickly over some of the grapple ratings there. The opener, uh, three and three and a quarter, uh, which is or three. Uh, that's what I gave a uh, three point one seven is the average right now. Uh, Jeff Cobb, Liger, and Tiger Mask versus the Suzuki Gun Team, Archer, Taichi, uh, Kanemoro. Uh, really, again, not worth talking all that much about. I went two and a half grapple ratings, two point five four right now on that one, so we're right in line. There, uh, you have Show, Will Ospreay, and Yo defeating uh, Chase Owens, Ishimori, and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, Will Ospreay gets the pin there, which again I think is you know an important little fact there. But uh, two point six four on grapple. I'm at two and three quarters, so not really any huge difference there. Uh, and then you have uh, Bushi Evil, or sorry, uh, Juice Robinson and Toa Hinari uh, versus Moxley and Amino. Which I, you know, again, like ratings wise, I'm only about two and a quarter, but I fucking love that match. <laughs> it was just great. The Moxley Amino thing is so awesome. I just love that little relationship. Uh, between those two, and you see Omino kind of taking over some of, of Moxley's, uh, you know, persona a little bit. Like, this is what you're talking about when, like, a, a, in no other era would a young lion get this sort of right. thing that, that, that Omino is getting right now. And it's good. Like, he's still a young lion. He's still going to take all the falls, but it's fun to see them sort of, like you said, kind of dabbling in little character work for, for, for guys a little bit here. But I thought that was really fun to see uh, Moxley and Omino on, on the same side there. But uh, yeah, that one, as I said, I'm, I'm two and three quarters, uh, grapple 2.64. Uh, then you have Bushi, Evil, Sonata, Shingo, and Naito versus uh, Kodo, Yano, Great Bash Heel. I think, I think they were in the match. I cannot confirm that Togi Makabe was actually in this match, but apparently he was. 
uh, Hanma and Taguchi, and that one, yeah, that one I went three stars uh, flat. Uh, two point eight is the grapple rating. There was was, it was so I'm reading Togi Makabe, but I watched this match. Joe Togi Makabe was not in this match. No, I took notes. I have stats for you. <laughs> okay, what do you got for me? He was not in this match. So anything you say about him in this match is incorrect because he wasn't there. Togi Makabe was the legal competitor for his team once in the entire match. Okay, <laughs> and Togi Makabe took zero flat back. Zero, bumps. not a one. Did he take out bump? Well, he was. Uh, he he he. Coming off the ropes, he was tripped from the outside and, and like <laughs> fell on his hands. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. That's not a flat back bump. Twice, and I paid attention to this because it's a nothing match, and I pay attention to Togi Makabe, and, and now he does nothing. Twice, he was thrown out of the ring and still landed on his feet. He didn't even take bumps <laughs> yes. when he got thrown out of the ring. That's a so man. Togi Him and Bill Makabe, Goldberg are the smartest wrestlers in the universe. They are getting paid max to do the minimum. It's, it's, you you got to appreciate it. Makabe stays a legend. My man <laughs> will not fucking bump in these dopey matches ever. It's fantastic. Yeah, this one's like fourth from the top, too. It's not like an opener, the second match from the top. It's like fourth from the top against LIJ. But he, no one's going to remember. He knows that no one's going to care. No one's going to remember anything that happens in this match. So he makes sure that he just doesn't do anything. We don't remember it anymore. So. Does, does Togi Makabe have anything to prove in a match like this? God, no. Get out of here. No he's, way. He's 40 years old. going to roll out of the ring and eat a gigantic dessert. He doesn't give a fuck about he's this. He held the title. <laughs> You know, he's in the back end of his career. Why would you take a bump? So, the legend. Toby yeah, that, that, was, that was good on him. And then, Joe, Bad Luck Folly, Tamatonga, and Tongaloa defeat Tomoro Ishii, Yoshihashi, and Kenta. So now you tried your best, and I, I give you a ton of credit. You had every one of our staff members DM me on Slack. You had everybody in the world try to message me and say, Joe, the Rich, do not watch any spoilers, don't do anything, go to this exact time queue on this show. Unfortunately, I stayed away from, I, I basically put my phone away because I didn't want to, I didn't want to see anything. And I, I just, like I said, I woke up in time for the, the, the main event. So I watched the main event and much to my surprise, I hear Kevin Kelly say, ah, Jay White coming down to the ring with new Bullet Club member Kenta. And I had to kind of shake my head and go, what? Because it was like, I was like, what, 4 a.m. at this point. I'm a little delirious. I'm like, eh, nah, I, I, I didn't hear what I just heard, whatever. And I didn't think anything of it. And I'm thinking again, like, as the match is going on, I'm like, did he say Bullet Club member Kenta? Like, wh what the fuck? And then I go into Slack, and then I go into my Twitter, and I see everything, and I see all the effort that you put forth. So I didn't then, I didn't know anything else then. At that point, I knew Kenta had joined the Bullet Club, which confused the hell out of me, and made me go, eh, Kenta in the Bullet Club? Like, what the f eh, that's kind of weird. That's kind of stupid. So I jumped to the time queue that you said, and Joe, I was treated to the great, I, I think, maybe, I, maybe not the greatest ever, but my favorite wrestling angle, my favorite heel turn in as long as I can remember. I mean, this was fucking incredible. This Kenta turn. And the Shibata return. This, this oh my God. It's, it's, listen, I said it in real time and I wasn't the only one. Okay. Hey, I'm not going to say, you know, like people were in real time, Rich, it was just one of those amazing experiences to have on social media when you're all watching a wrestling show. One of those magical experiences where everyone is just stunned in disbelief when Shibata comes sprinting from the back. He didn't milk anything. Okay. He sprints in from the back, beats the shit, is beating the shit out of Kenta, that dropkick in the corner. And the crowd 
my shrieks, God. shrieks, not even cheers, not yay, just no. shrieking men, women, children, <laughs> grandparents, just going, ah, like everybody, they didn't know what to do. They didn't know how to react. So again, I'm hardly the only one. Immediately, everybody's first thought was, was this one of the greatest angles in the history of wrestling? Was this one of the greatest turns in the history of wrestling? The answer to both is yes. Oh, fuck yes. I don't know if it's the, I listen, I've got some for you. Okay. Some great ones. Hogan joining the NWO. I mean, that's a great, I, I, that's one. your all timer. That, that I think is still maybe the all timer, but and, and, yeah, we can have an argument about those two. I mean, that was a great fucking, uh, despite the fact that Bobby Heenan fucking, you know, gave it away, which by the way, Tomatonga tweeting eight hours earlier. Hey, we got a new member of the Bullet Club, and he's a great athlete, and this and that. And then in real time, the entire timeline was like, oh, Kenta's going to join the Bullet Club. So if dumbass Tamatanga didn't give it away eight hours earlier, it would have been even better. We all were waiting for Kenta, especially Rich, and I know this is one of your things. He never tagged in, and he never laid a hand on the Bullet I hate Club. that. Oh, my God, I hate that. Any heel turn where... The, the guy who turns spends half the match beating up the other guys and then turns on him. Fuck that. that those are immediately disqualified. Kenta didn't do that at all, which I loved. Never tagged in, never laid a hand on his new buddies. And if you if you go back and watch it again, because I've watched it 19 times, it was like one of the greatest things. I've I'm watching seen. it as we speak, by the way, which is, I think, the 40th time I've watched it. But go Look ahead. Look at his body language when he comes down to the ring with Yoshihashi and Ishii. He looks so disinterested. You know, he's like... That, like... Kenta from start to finish in that thing was just so fucking great. Like, it, when you watch it with hindsight, you know he's e it's even better. But um, but yeah, I mean you've got Hogan, you've got um, you know uh, what about like what about Seth Rollins turning on the shoe? Get I have it. Okay, no. I'm with you. I don't yeah, even think it's in the same. Here. It's not even in the same stratosphere. And that was a great. And that was that had people talking too. You know the difference between this and the Seth Rollins turn? I'm going to tell you. Half of the people hated the Seth Rollins turn and thought it was a bad idea. Not because they were mad at Seth Rollins, the character, because they were mad at the company for doing it too soon or picking the wrong guy. Remember that? That was a big yeah, thing. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. So these people who were coming back with, oh, what about the Seth Rollins turn? A lot of people thought that was shit and were mad Yeah, it was stupid, and it was stupid at the time. It really was. I mean, it was not – the Shield, I don't think, was ready to, 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 to break up at that point. I mean, eventually it would be fine and whatever, but no, nah, that, that one was very divisive at the time. People will, will kind of forget about that, but no, it was, it was a big deal at that time where people were like, ooh, why did they do that? What the hell? And even in the building, not a fraction of the heat. I mean, give me a break. It wasn't even in the same fucking universe. Um, how about Kevin Owens after the NXT fucking credit bug power bombing Sami Zayn into the ring? Apron? That one's pretty great. That one is it, it's not as good as this one, but that one is pretty awesome. I did love that one. How about Tommaso after, after Sami Zayn? Yeah. Oh, I was there live. Yeah, I was there live for that one. That um, yeah, that another great one, another good one. But that's one that I think everybody sort of. I don't want to say saw coming, but kind of knew it was coming a lot of ways. So I guess it is similar-ish to the Kenta one. That's a really good one, too. That, that one does not okay. get the credit it deserves. That one's pretty good. So you were in the building for that one. Yes. Was it an energy of, I can't believe what I'm seeing right now. This is fucking... Okay, so it was a, energy was great. The energy was great, but it, was, it wasn't necessarily... It wasn't necessarily, I, I should preface, it wasn't necessarily, oh my God, I can't believe that happened. It was, ah, oh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> like, it was kind of, everybody kind of sensed that it was going to happen. And when it did happen, I mean, they made the beatdown great. I mean, the beatdown was awesome. 
but it kind of felt like you i don't want to say everybody saw it coming but it kind of felt like oh yeah all right cool there it is yeah now, okay so does gun to your head does 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 shibata wrestle yes he does and and, and here's why and, and this, i've seen a lot about this and i was hoping that we were going to have this discussion i don't think that angle happens and i don't think he's as physical in that angle if it doesn't happen, because I'm led to believe in, in, in my, I, and I don't know, I could be wrong. They could have said, Hey, do this one thing, but you can't wrestle. I don't believe this dude does a flying drop kick in the corner. If he's not fully cleared, you know what right. I'm saying? Okay. couple of things. Okay. No contact to his head whatsoever. Not even a forearm, a punch. Well, nothing. I mean, except for his back of his head slapping on the mat after he does a flying drop kick. You're right. Um, no go to sleep. Now, there's two schools of thought on the no go to sleep. Number one, he can't take a blow to the head. So you can't risk doing a go to sleep. That's the obvious one. Number two, you're saving that spot. Absolutely. Right? Are you kidding? You're saving that. You don't but lead off with that. Wouldn't Kenta, you know, realistically hit him with that and lay him out instead of the PK if he could? Or do you save it for a big dramatic spot in the dome where you put him up for it and everyone's like, oh my God, if he hits that, this man might die. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, for sure. I save it for that. Because then, like, if that happens right away, it's almost that moment where you're like, oh God, like, he, he's already done the biggest thing that he can do to him. The biggest thing that Kenta can do to Shibata, the, the, right. the thing that he's going to do, that go to sleep is it. That's the, the, that's the golden goose. Like, you're not giving that up on the first night. I wouldn't. So I don't buy that that means anything. I, all that that means is that they're smart about protecting how big of an, an impactful of a move that's going to be. And I can buy into the idea, too, that, that Kenta, and we'll see what he does moving forward, but I could see him getting more protective about that move and saying, nah, I need to do it to him. I could beat him up without that. I don't even need to do that. But when I do do it to him, you'll know that he's dead. You yeah, know? I mean, so he, I, I, he won, I think they can he, do that. He won some matches with the game over. So it's not like he's using the go to sleep to win every single time but yeah it, it's you would you would save it i agree with that but it is a little it's there's some red flags there no blows to the head not inflicted by himself anyway and no go to sleep but i don't know look i think he's look i don't i don't know if you give people that angle and then don't give them a match i i don't know how you get away with that um because now i think people Look, this is the angle was so good, and, and and here's another reason why it's one of the best angles of all time. Because it was a money angle. If you do that match on one five, you just sold out the other dome. That match can headline the show on the second dome on the fifth and sell it out by itself. You don't need any. You're gonna have other shit. You wouldn't need it though. And so that's another reason why you know you want to talk about other angles or other turns. This is a money turn and a money angle. Big oh, time. Yeah. Right. And 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 that's and that's why, you know, some of the others that I named might not stack up. That's why I think you have to look at like the Hogan turn. Because again, that's a money angle that drew money for fucking four years. Or whatever it was. You know, and it's like this is a big time money angle. If you get the match, it's going to sell out a dome. So there's that that factor too. So I don't know. I feel like they almost, you know, it's like, do you do an angle that physical if you know for certain that he's not going to be able to pay it off by pinning that guy in the center of the ring? I find that hard to believe. And the, the news coming out of Japan where, you know, they're, they're, they're feeding Dave and saying, look, he hasn't been cleared. He's never going to wrestle again. What do you think they're going to say? I mean, you know, it's like, and, and I'm not even sure the people that, and I'm not saying like Dave is being worked. 
but when it's like the people that Dave is talking to might not even know. This might be a need to know basis kind of right, right. And 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 again, historically in New Japan, like I, I think people again conflate what New Japan does with what other wrestling companies do. I mean, we've been told point blank from wrestlers in Japan that they don't know during the G1 if they're winning a match or if they're losing a match until that day. And they don't know, yeah. hey, uh, wrestler X, you're gonna get nine, you know, eight points in this G1, and you're gonna win this match and that match and that match at the beginning of the tournament, and everybody knows exactly what they're doing. Like, because we've kind of joked of like, oh shit, well, you're gonna win the G1 pick them. And, and the guy would be like, well, no, I don't know. <laughs> I know as much as you guys know at this point uh, about what I'm gonna do for the G1. I show up, they tell me what I'm gonna do, and, and I do it. And that's sort of the way they've done. So the idea that like who who would really know that right now? You think they're going around and telling, you know, every single person in the roster, hey, Shabbat is coming back at the dome. So yeah, just so you know, Shabbat is coming back. Shabbat. No, they're on a needed no basis. <laughs> you know, like I, I I'd be shocked if it was more than four or five people that knew Shabbat was a coming out for that angle or that angle was even happening in in, in any way whatsoever. No, that, no, that's so con- that's con- that, no, that's confirmed. The only people who knew he was even there were the people that were involved in the angle. Right. Everyone else was like, we didn't even know he was there until he ran out. So that just feeds into my point even further. And especially you're talking about an angle this big. I think what you know you might see if he does wrestle, if he does wrestle, and there are plans for him to wrestle, what they're going to do is they're going to have Kenta goading him this whole time. Uh, you know, uh, he, he's going to be cutting promos. Oh, you can't wrestle. Uh, yeah. We, well, that's uh, what I was going to say. The the money is also in the in the chase of Kenta sort of taunting him that he can't wrestle yes. and saying so that like to me the payoff would would suck if it's like yeah well he can't so it's like oh all right I guess he can't so and, and, that- it should, and it should be where Shibata is like look this is against my doctor's orders but I need to get my hands on this guy and I'm, and of course it won't be against doctor's orders but you you present the angle that way so it seems like he's putting his health at risk I mean that that's the way it you know you do it because that's the way it's always been you know that those are always money angles historically in pro wrestling so you know the question is how if he is cleared i don't buy into the idea that people would know that anyway you know who would know that harold may gato shibata and kenta that's who would know that who else would need to know why would you risk having that leak i don't want if i'm new japan i don't want people if he even if he's cleared if i'm new japan i don't want people to know he's cleared. yeah i want everybody but those four people to think that he Doctors told him he can't wrestle. He Absolutely. Right. I want everyone else to think that if the if go to sleep goes wrong, his lights are fucking out. That's what I would want everybody to because that's where the money is in the danger and him putting his life at risk to get his hands on this man. That's like an old school fucking 1973 old school territory story. And it's great if they can pull it off. Um, you know, and, and it'll be believable if, you know, no one knows that the guy's legitimately cleared or not. But, um, but yeah, I don't know. Gun to my head, I'd say I, I think that he wrestles because the angle is just too physical. Yeah, It's I, not I as if he ran out and was held back. It, like, they could have done something where he ran out and they held him back while Kenta beat up the young boys. You know, they could have done right, something. Exactly, else. right. That's what you do if this guy's not clear. Like, you do not... Unless they're, I mean, I, I would really get mad at them if they got me this excited for this and then just said, oh, no, he can't. Are you kidding? No, he can't wrestle. And then he never did. I'd be yeah, upset. Well, <laughs> it was a- too physical, man. There was too much going on. He's he's in there. He's throwing bows. He's throwing running Yakuza kicks. Like he's corner drive. There's too much physicality for me. There's just too much. You could have had Goto save him and then Goto take the beating. There's a million ways you could have gotten around Shibata doing physical things. So, 
How about the bumps that like Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa were taking when Shibata was like uh, fighting them off? Did yeah, you notice oh, that? That was good. They were bouncing all over the ring and going crazy. Yeah, it was awesome. Fale just had to fall down four feet, and he he did that pretty well. So good for him. <laughs> yeah, he, he's he, on the apron, gets kicked, falls four feet, moves back twelve inches. <laughs> yeah, like, perfect. Thanks, buddy. Here's, here's the other thing too that you have to talk like the way Shibata was moving around the ring. Oh, he was in he was in ring shape, man. Exactly. It's clear that he's been working. Like that's the other thing that no one's talking about. He would not have looked that great. Like we understand he's training those guys. He was you, you just nailed it. He was in ring shape. He looked like he looked in fucking 2013 moving around that ring. Look, pro wrestlers are not taking their shirts off unless they feel confident about their bodies, right? Yeah. He ripped that shirt off immediately. Yeah. I mean, that dude that he's confident about how he's looking these days. That's all I'll say. But just the way he was moving around. Yeah. I mean, that that he was moving around like the guy. And here's another thing that uh Somebody brought up, I can't remember who, might have been Kevin Hare. He said, you know, this really explains Goto disappearing for a month and a half. We were all told that Goto was training in the LA Dojo, right? And like getting in shape and all that. But it was probably Goto training, like mm-hmm. getting Shibata in shape. Yep. Which is an excellent point because Goto, remember, we were like, Mog, we were joking about it. Like, where's Goto? He hasn't been around in six. Goto didn't wrestle a match for like six weeks. He was gone. Totally off the radar. He was in fucking LA, maybe getting this guy ring ready. So, I, I don't know. There's a lot of things that point to, to him eventually having this match with Kenta. And yeah, obviously some of it too is optimism that that is the case. Um, but that's okay. What's wrong with that? You know, what's wrong with, you know, looking forward to that and hoping that it, that it occurs. And, and, you know, even his promo where he's like, this guy, I'm going to kick his head off. You know, it, it was essentially what he said. So we'll see. But just a fucking, you know, you, this is the kind of angle you get one every few years. I mean, it's just so good and so hot. And um, it's like, you know, and, and again, a money angle. That that's that's what this was, and you, there haven't been a lot of big money angles in wrestling over the last few years. Yeah, we'll, we'll be talking about this one for forever. And then, uh, real quickly, there's one other match here that we have to talk about: uh, Minoru Suzuki and Zack Sabre Jr. defeat Tanahashi and Okada. This is building up to Suzuki and Okada, uh, which is going on at uh, Royal Quest, which is going on on August 31st. We'll have some time to talk about that show uh, and break down that card uh, next week. There's just too much else to go on uh, this week, but yeah, the, the big angle there is Suzuki and Okada kind of feuding and 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 that's the next defense for Okada is going to be of against Suzuki uh at Royal Quest. Uh real quick I just wanted to put a bow on, on the G1 here and and my friends at Grapple who are of course sponsoring uh these uh reviews here uh sent us some some really good data and, and obviously this data only comes if you guys get on Grapple G R A P P L uh and give your ratings like Joe and I do and you can follow us on that app as well if you'd like. Uh, Google App Store, Apple App Store, it's all in there. G-R-A-P-P-L. Uh, average match ratings, block matches only for these guys. So these are just the the top, you know, just the match, just the singles matches during the G1 for all these guys. Uh, number one, Tomohiro Ishii at 4.2 average. Uh, just kind of give you an idea the overall average. Just see how much, you know, how much better he is maybe than the overall average. 3.59 is the overall average that we're looking at here. So look at the guys who are closest to that average and then look at... Um, you know, Ishii at 4.2 just stands 
head and shoulders above everybody else. Okada is second at 4.05. Uh, he's tied with Will Ospreay at 4.05 as well. So so those three really stand out. Ishii at 4.2, Okada at five, uh, 4.05, and then Osprey at 4.05 as well. Uh, Shingo, I thought it was pretty interesting, fourth uh, among all G1 participants, 3.95. Abushi 3.88. Tanahashi, 3.83. Sabre Jr. at 3.78. Uh, Naito at 3.76. And then real quickly, Moxley, 3.68. Uh, Evil 3.68, Sonata 3.68, uh, as we kind of go down the list here and here and there. Um, I'll give you the final two, though, the guy, because the last two really stand out amongst all the other guys. Bad Luck Folly, uh, 2.37, and then Toro Yano at 2.66. Some other stuff here. Uh, I said the overall averages, 3.59. Uh, the A block, a little bit better than the B block, 3.65, uh, but the B block at uh, 3.52. So, I mean, yeah, Joe, just a, just a tremendous G1 when you look at the overall match ratings and you look at the performances. You know, you have four guys with an over four-star average. You know, pretty much everybody but Yano, or, you know, exactly everybody but Yano and Fale. Pretty similar statistics to what I had personally. Um, but, yeah, I, th- I thought in terms of you know, we all know who was great in a G1. I thought in terms of guys who were slightly disappointing, I'd say I'd put Juice Robinson in that class. I didn't think he had a great tournament. I think uh, Goto had a somewhat disappointing G1. Uh, I don't think Naito, because Naito, his bar is so high. I mean, you expect him to be among the best wrestlers in the tournament, and I don't think that he was, and it looks like the uh, uh, the people on Grapple agreed. I thought he had a nice little tournament, but I didn't think he was in that top class with those top four guys. Uh, but other than that, I mean, everyone else either delivered to their expectations or over-delivered uh, to, uh, to to what I expected out of them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, some other stuff here. Uh, 29 matches had an average of four stars, plus uh, 32% uh, of the matches have an average rating of four plus stars. So again, just tremendous output uh, from these guys. Day 13, 15, and 17 all had three four-star plus matches. Uh, so if you're trying to catch up on the G1 and and maybe you run out of time or you're stopped in the middle, 13, 15, and 17 are kind of your standout days. Uh, Ishii and Osprey both had eight matches with a four-plus star average. Uh, so tremendous there. And I thought this is really good data from uh, from Grapple as well. Uh, average impact on opponent's match rating here. So this is an increase, decrease versus match average against other opponents. So essentially how well like, th- wrestler acts versus this guy. How much did their kind of star ratings rise do above you make, that? Do you make people better? Or exactly. Worse? You will not be stunned at who the two <laughs> negative <laughs> impacted uh, guys were. Bad Luck Father was a negative 1.59. Yano a negative 1.08. Will Ospreay. Plus 0.5, Okada plus 0.5, Shingo plus 5.3, and in first place, big old Tom Ish at plus 0.8. I mean, you get that guy in a ring against yourself, and your grapple rating is almost one more than it would be against almost anybody else. That is tremendous. He bumps you up almost a full star. It, it, it's not surprising that you know those four guys who are four of the best wrestlers on earth make their opponents uh, or the four that make their opponents better. Uh, that doesn't surprise me at all. That's those four it probably would have been the ones I would have picked if you would have, would have allowed me to guess. Um, but yeah, those guys had great tournaments and Willow spray and Shingo get extra credit because they also had great best of super junior tournaments. And those guys have just been, you know, they deserve very long breaks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Osprey just, deserves a few months off and a lot of ice baths. Cause he has been, God, this, this yeah. output that he's had is, is, is insane. Shingo and, and Osprey should be sent home until Wrestle Kingdom. You know, it's like, you know, maybe bring them in to, you know, King of Pro Wrestling or something to shoot their angle for whatever match they're going to have. 
You know what I mean? But they should not be working tours. Give them the tours off. You know, show up for Corkin and uh, and the and the and 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 King of Pro Wrestling and like you know Destruction or whatever Power Struggle. Don't worry. They, they, don't put him in fucking World Tag League. You know what I mean? But I'm afraid Shingo's gonna be in World Tag League. Oh, for sure. No, he's definitely going to be in it. Hopefully Osprey isn't, but uh, yeah, they, they probably both will. <laughs> Maybe not, though, because they don't put the singles champs. That's right. Yeah, I guess if he's still holding. Well, no, 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 because if if Naito has the IC, they won't put him in it, and then there's three LIJ guys, and it'll be Sonata and Evil. I see what you're saying. Okay. All right. Yeah. So, for, you know, from that perspective, he won't, he wouldn't be in World Tag League, but I don't know. Those guys are just, you know, they they could be your one two and wrestler of the year. I'm not going to fight you uh, with what they've done just in these tournaments. You know how great is Shingo? I mean, fuck, how great is that guy? Uh, he's so good, yeah. Dude. And everyone's finally seeing what uh, yep. the rest of the world has been saying. I mean, people that have been watching Dragon Gate and following Shingo for years, or DGUSA or whatever, has been saying it since what 2010, 2011 that this guy was just great. He was so good, and now people are seeing it now in the, in, on a world scale. And I'm glad to see it because we're we're a show that from day one has been talking about how great we how much we love Shingo and how great he is. And yeah, he's showing it to the world right now, and it's fucking great. It's awesome. Shingo's been great since like oh six oh seven. Like you know, he's just fucking great. I think he debuted in oh five or oh four, and then you know by by two three years in, the guy was great, and he only gets better. You know, and and and. He just he's he's wrestling out of his fucking mind right now. So, all right. So real quickly, we're gonna go over the Super J Cup here before we get to the uh, WWE weekend. Uh, we have the first round matchups here. This also goes over all the participants uh, of the J Cup. The the first event is going on on the twenty second. So that's we're probably gonna record that day or, or maybe you know the day before. So we want to touch on this a little bit, just kind of give you an idea, and then we'll kind of next week break down the tournament a little bit more, talk about the the, the full schedule. But we just want to give you at least the dates. Uh, for right now, are the first round matchups. So you have Rocky Romero versus Soberano Jr., Clark Connors versus TJP. So uh, TJ Perkins coming in here. Uh, Christico versus Bushi. Uh, Rusuke Taguchi versus Jonathan Gresham. Robbie Eagles versus El Fantasmo. A great little uh, uh, nod to the best of the Super Juniors there. Yo versus Dragon Lee. Show versus Taiji Ishimori. And then Will Ospreay versus Amazing Red. The uh, retirement of Amazing Red lasts uh, about a three months or so. That's fine. Payday comes in, get an opportunity to face Will Ospreay on the Super J Cup. So I guess Will's not getting his time off, actually. No, we're talking about all that, and then he's going to fucking have a yeah. banger with yeah. Amazing Red you know, in, in another week. So yeah, never mind. Forget that conversation about Will taking time off. So He might win this whole fucking thing, too. Um, you know? Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, he should win it if he's going to move to heavyweight. I mean, he should win this. Especially when I look at the rest of the names in it. But, um... He, I don't know if you saw it, but he asked for that match with Red. When Red announced his retirement, he said he would love to, for him to do one more match and to be his last match. And then, you know, you look a few months later, and they book him for this tournament, and obviously, Will is winning that match, uh, you know. Um, so that'll probably be Red's last match. So you know, with Will Ospreay's mindset, of how he's always trying to put the other guy over, and, and you know, that's going to be He's going to bend over fucking backwards six different ways to make sure that he has a great match with this guy. And, you know, he, uh, he's going to know all of his signature shit. And it's, it's, it's going to be Willow Spray doing his best to make sure that this guy goes out 
with one last incredible match. Yeah, it's a great send off so. for Amazing Red too, because he's a guy who who I've always said whenever anybody asks me, and there's a lot of Q and A's that people bring up, or we do the Patreon Q and A's, and people say, well, who's a guy that was maybe you know in the wrong generation of wrestlers? Who's a guy that should have Amazing Red if he came five years later than he did, ten years later than he did? That guy'd be tremendous. The stuff that he was doing in the early 2000s is still spectacular today. The problem though is it's just like, it, it, I don't know, it just didn't kind of click. He was in Ring of Honor. It was it was just like, it didn't, like I love his output. His output was great, but it just, it, it, it maybe wasn't right for the time. Whereas now I think if he appeared, you know, five years ago at this point, he would be one of the biggest stars in wrestling. You know, but at that time he was just a young guy doing a bunch of flips and doing a bunch of spots or whatever. And I think he would have refined it a little bit more in this era. You've been pushed a little bit more in this era. He would have gotten more opportunities in this era. Whereas that time it just felt like it was just a little too early in 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 in, in that life cycle for Amazing Rod, which is tremendously disappointment because 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 he is he still does stuff that's spectacular. If you go back and watch that stuff from you know two thousand to two thousand four, you know stuff he's doing is, is insane. It's nuts. Yeah, I mean, in terms of innovation. Anyone will tell you that, you know, this is a guy who all of the, you know, flying wrestlers today and, and, and you know, he's very uh, innovative and very influential on, on a ton of today's wrestlers. So it's nice to see him get this spot. But, uh, you know, I, I'm curious to see if TJP, if this is kind of a one-off where he sticks around. They're clearly pushing him to win a few matches because he's not going to lose to Clark Connors. So he's going to win one match at minimum. And then we'll see. It's the same side of the draw as Robbie Eagles and El Phantasmo, same quarter of the draw. Um, and then the same side as Will Ospreay. I would love to see Will Ospreay versus TJP. That'd be great, yeah. I just don't know that TJP gets by the Eagles Phantasmo. Um, now, now, it's like Eagles should probably beat Phantasmo and win a couple of matches because he just turned. And he turned in Australia, and a lot of people might not even know that he turned and that he's part of chaos. So I think he, he should have a strong tournament. If I'm booking it, he needs to have a strong tournament. Um, Phantasmo, Eagles, you know, obviously is those guys are feuding. And, you know, and then, you know, it's all the other usual suspects. None of the other names are surprises. You got a couple CMLL guys in there. You got Dragon Lee and Soberano and Caristico. And those are great guys to bring in. And then uh, Gresham, the only ROH participant, which surprised me a little, only that there was an ROH participant. I wasn't certain that they'd have ROH participation in this. So, um, and then just the rest of the uh, the New Japan juniors. But should be a lot of fun, something different. Um, and three days worth of shows, and we'll talk about them more next week. Yeah, can't wait. Should be pretty fun there. Uh, all right, let's get to the WWE weekend, Joe. We are we're we're up against the clock here a little bit. We're at about you know two and a half. Do you want to push the SummerSlam to the overrun over on the uh, Patreon.com slash Voice for Wrestling? How can, how can we do that? We got to do SummerSlam. <laughs> what about NXT? <sighs> we got to do SummerSlam. It's your call, man. All right. You want to start with SummerSlam? One of them has got to go to the overrun. So you I understand that, but we can't push SummerSlam to the <laughs> I, I want to, though. <laughs> we just push it out. How, you know, I got a better idea. Let's just not talk about SummerSlam. So. I mean... Uh... NXT is the more interesting discussion, to be completely honest. But it's fucking SummerSlam. How can right. we push? We got it. Right, you're right. You're right. So we you want to you want to move Takeover to the the overrun because I, I do have some expanded thoughts about Takeover. So well, there's no shot we're gonna have time for both. Let's do SummerSlam, 
and see what and see what we got left. Okay, we'll we'll, we'll do that then. So, all right, we got SummerSlam here. Uh, we'll <laughs> you just can't. You cannot get through a WWE main roster. You're incapable of. You're giggling already. It does fucking stink. I'm not denying that. And this is a good one. This is like fine, but like, oh my god! All right, let's do it. I'll, I'll do it because all right. Sponsored by Grapple as well. Our good friends at Grapple this, sponsoring this. Uh, that's right. Review this, as well, so. this SummerSlam review is brought to you by Grapple, and uh, Rich will have all of the statistics at the ready. Um, in fact, you know what? I'll have them at the ready because I, I don't even trust you to be able to get. No, them. I have them. I got them. I got them. I can do that. So, I can do that. Let's start at the top. Main event, because I think we both really liked it. Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins. Seth Rollins wins the title back, which was a little surprising. Uh, I thought it was an excellent match. I mean, I love Brock's stuff. You love Brock's stuff. And this was good Brock. I thought this blew away the match that they had at WrestleMania. Oh, oh, jeez. Um, yeah, blew it out of the water. That match stunk. I mean, Brock whipping him around by the taped ribs was such an incredible spot. And uh, this the booking is what's interesting. It's like, why did Seth lose to begin with if he was just going to win it right back at SummerSlam. I mean, I thought maybe they're moving on from Seth. But the answer, I guess, is a very WWE answer. They wanted to surprise everybody with Brock winning money in the bank. And then once they did that, they were kind of backed into a corner. Brock had to cash in at some point, <laughs> right, right. And he had to win. So it's like, just don't be booking. I mean, it served no purpose. But I guess at the end of the day, the other theory I've heard bandied about is this was kind of a reset button, and Seth got the proper win that he didn't get at WrestleMania with the win that came off flat. Uh, what do you think about all that, and what do you think of the match? Yeah, I, I don't mind that idea. I don't mind the reset for Seth, because he probably did need that reset uh, on his title reign. And then there's also, like you said, they just kind of did shit and then have to do shit because they did shit. So it's like that, and that's kind of what the Brock Lesnar thing was in a lot of ways. With that said, the match was great. I love the match. I went four stars flat with it. Uh, grapple users right now, uh, 3.85, so they're a little bit lower than us, but uh, right in that same range. But I thought this was a tremendous match. I thought Brock looks really good in this, and I thought it's exactly, really exactly what you wanted out of Seth Rollins here. I mean, he he got the triumphant moment. He, he hits the curb stop in the middle of the ring and pins Brock. I mean, it is exactly... The moment you were going for exactly everything that you were going for, and and yeah, get, gotta give them the thumbs up for that. I think they they did a, they did a great job with it, and 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 Seth hopefully goes in this title reign feeling a little bit hotter than he did, you know, in this last title reign. But well, you know, that remains to be seen. But uh, as far as this, they did everything they needed to do, and I think it was a, a great main event for for the show. Yeah, I think Seth is what he is, and I think they want him to be something that he can't be. So I'm, I, you know, I don't think Seth's ever going to be any kind of major star. Oh, they're but, trying, uh, man. They got Stone Cold coming in on Skype to tell you how great he is. You have everybody saying, oh, that's great. Just, they can't make stars. You know what they need to do to make stars? Hire Gato. That's what they need. <laughs> yeah, fire Vince. It's the truth. The, the, the best move they can make to make stars would be to hire Gato. No one in the building is capable of it. That, you know, because you got to get through the fucking old guy. And he's always going to put a wrench in it. Um, so you hire the star maker. You hire the best star maker in the business. You go get Gato. I mean, it's the only way it's going to happen. And then let him do his thing. Um, but yeah, I went four flat on this as well. I thought it was the best match on the show. And, um, you know, I listen, you, we're Brock guys. Not everybody is. But, uh, you know, that's that. So let's go now to the opener now that we did the main event. 
we had what was the opener on the show? Was it Alexa and Nikki Cross? No, no it, well that was that was that was one of the two pre-shows. The the official opener was Becky and, and Natalia. Becky Lynch and Natalia. Okay, so did you watch? The I watched Oni and uh, and uh, I watched Oni and, uh, and 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 Gulak. I did watch that. I, I forgot that there was that other <laughs> opener, but I did watch Oni and, and, and Gulak, which I enjoyed. There it was pretty good. It wasn't great, but it, it was fine. Yeah, you know, it was a pretty good match, but I think it was one of the. It was probably the least interesting cruiserweight title match that they've had in some time. I would agree with that. Yeah, it didn't. It just didn't reach like that. That that fever pitch that those other ones did, and Gulak just won. You, you know what I mean? Like it just didn't have. I don't know. It just didn't. Yeah, it didn't. It didn't click with me like some of these other guys have. Then you had uh, Buddy Murphy versus Apollo Cruz, which of course was interrupted by Eric Rowan because Rich. I'm told they're making a new star in Buddy Murphy. Oh, they are. Yes. He's... Do you have any faith? God, that... no. I mean, he's, he's got his ass kicked the last two weeks too. Like. So he throws a fucking you know V trigger to Roman Reigns while he gets his ass kicked. It doesn't mean he's a star. Like I, did I don't you know. see the Roman match. Uh, I did see it. Yeah, really good. I mean, it was a good match, a very very good TV match. But I'm yeah. I'm I'm not buying in that this Buddy Murphy is now a star because he's getting his ass kicked by stars. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'm seeing all these headlines like busted open WWE match of the year contender as Buddy Murphy a star is made Bully Ray says a star was made Well, if Bully said it then forget it yeah those were his words and it is a match of the year contender on Twitter under the uh, fucking trending topics WWE match of the year I'm like I gotta see this fucking match right and then I have people who I trust going Joe pump the brakes a three and a half star match so would you agree with that or do I need to go I'd say three and a half. I'd say three and a half for sure. I mean, it, a very, very, very good TV match with a lot of really fun moves from Buddy Murphy. It, it, it's better than Buddy doing absolutely nothing, but still not, not great. And, and have you actually heard the whole story around the Buddy Murphy push, quote unquote? Uh, no, give me this story. So, so he, he appears in the video where the, the shit falls on Roman Reigns. Remember that tragedy, tragedy that right, happened right, to right. Roman Reigns backstage at the episode of SmackDown, and you see Buddy Murphy in the video. Apparently he I don't think he was supposed to be there. I think he just happened to be there and they filmed him by mistake. So they kind of have to go with Buddy Murphy as like Wait, being no, related no. to this story. I don't know if that's actually 100% that's a true. real thing that can't I, be a I, I Wouldn't they just ignore that if that was the case? My god. But um I hope that's not true. I hope that's just kind of rumors that have gone around. But that, that is what I've heard. But again, I don't know if that's uh, that's totally accurate. That that he just happened to be there. He was in the frame, so they had to like find some way to put him in there. I think that I, that was either I forgot who said it. I think I want to say Brian Alvarez, maybe Wrestling Observer Live. So there's a possibility that that's absolutely wrong because Brian is definitely not the most reliable guy uh, in the world. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I I could both equally buy it and then also think that that's stupid as well. So I don't know. I just love this idea that. They're making a star in Buddy Murphy. Come on. I mean, you know, stop. The other thing, too, it's like you hear people going, oh, well, you know, they're, 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 they're making a star with Cedric Alexander. He's getting, a, <laughs> he's getting his ass kicked week a, in and week out. He's getting a push, people are saying, right? He's Osmosis. He is near stars. Thus, and he is a star. <laughs> the thing is, Cedric Alexander being on TV doesn't mean he's getting a push. Okay? It just means he's on TV. The janitor thing was a fucking joke. That we don't need to rip into is a disaster. Okay, and what has he done since to signify he's getting a push? Well, he's okay? lost to a lot of stars. So being in matches on TV does not mean you're getting a push. Okay, people, I know the bar is really low with this company, 
but I have no faith that they are going to push Buddy Murphy to the top. And 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 I didn't see the match, so I can't comment. But what you're telling me is they certainly did not create a star in one night, as Bully Ray would have you believe. No, no, I think they did a good job uh, with him, and it's a great match. But it's yeah, I don't, I'm not buying into the Buddy Murphy star creation thing right now. So. Okay, and then it was Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross against the Iconics. It was awful. <laughs> I did um, not I, watch that. I have so many better things to do with the 10 minutes of my life than watch that match. So. My question is, are the Iconics bad on purpose? <laughs> that's, that's a possibility. I've always wondered that. Yeah, are they trying to be bad? Because they're really good at it. If Here's they are, the so. thing. Like, that wasn't meant as like a joke, but like they wrestle so poorly that I don't think that like they're – I think have they made that part of their gimmick? Are they bad on purpose? I think it's a legitimate question because they're very bad. Billy Kay in particular. Oh, she is so oh my god. Yeah. Billy Kay is one of the worst major league wrestlers on earth. I mean, there's no question. She's awful. I mean, she's really bad to the point that I think she's doing it on purpose. I'm not sure. I'm like rewinding spots. I'm like can someone be this bad or is this a put on? But anyway, let's get back to the main roster. The main roster proper opened up with uh, Becky Lynch versus Natalia in a submission match. It's fine. Um, the psychology was all messed up, as we talked about last week in the preview. You don't know who you're supposed to cheer for. You don't know who you're supposed to boo. Plus, we're in Bizarro Land, of course. Um, you know, I, I thought this was a nice little three-star match that I will never think about again. What did you think about Becky Lynch and Natalia? Yeah, the, the, the psychology was just really super bizarre where you have you know becky coming out as we said he was she was going to come out and, and and badmouth canada and do all that sort of stuff so i i guess they were leaning into the reaction that they had then she kind of got a 50 50 reaction so people were kind of cheering her but then they were also kind of booing her because they kind of wanted natalia to win but they didn't really want natalia to win which is canada so they felt like they had to cheer for her. and then becky just kind of healed it up the entire match talking shit to natalia talking shit about canada putting the sharpshooter on so they really tried their hardest to make becky Lynch, their, their female star get booed as much as humanly possible in toronto when really like they could have just sort of seen what the crowd was going to do and then sort of react from it because becky was a like people didn't care she came out and they still liked her, but by the end of the match, they kind of wanted Natalia to win because Becky played the entire match like a heel, and then Becky just won anyway, and then I guess people just either won't care or whatever. So, yeah, the psychology was was bizarre. They were kind of working against themselves almost the entire match, so. Yeah. The work was fine. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. Like, Natalia's no good, and, and Becky's fine, but I think, you know, the Becky... Uh, what, I, I don't want to get into it right now, but anyway, the grapple users, I should say. Sorry, I want to pump that up right here. Uh, I went three stars flat with this. 3.09 uh, is what the rating is so far, so we're I'm right in line with it. What were your uh, ratings for that one? I went three flat. So Okay, so we're right in line you know, with, with, like with, you said, with the, the I'll get into it, Rich. Becky Lynch is curtain jerking on SummerSlam after main eventing WrestleMania. That's what you don't want to say. And he stays silent. It's not a lie. It's not a lie. Yeah. I mean, it is what it is. I mean, why why are we afraid to have the conversation? She the, the, the WrestleMania match was not good, and she totally cooled off post WrestleMania. Um, you know, it, her, Seth, and Kofi just didn't work. And now she's working the opening match after working the main event at WrestleMania. So um, and I'm not sure that it's not earned. I mean, I have nothing against her, but what has she done or to, 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 to continue staying in main events? Right. They I mean, definitely what? cooled her off like tremendously. Like she's, she's coming out and the, and the problem that they're having is, is, and, and they do this with a lot of their stars is they, they make them into assholes. 
Yeah. And Becky used to be like kind of the relatable. She was an asshole to her her fellow wrestlers sometimes and she was kind of cocky but she felt like one of the crowd you know she felt like the crowd had an attachment to her and now she's just a cocky asshole like they kind of think that everybody is the rock and like not everybody is the rock they do this with roman too where it's just like i don't know that they think and again again you said it's it's at the top like you know he does it with charlotte all the time too Vince McMahon, where he just thinks charlotte being this like oh i'm better than everybody because i'm the best is like hey, not everybody likes that you know not everybody likes hulk hogan and the rock like not everybody in 2019 relates to like cocky asshole that thinks they're better than everybody like like vince thinks that that's the best people in the world are people that are like that but they're not always that way and and you're starting to see that where becky is just kind of like the the the, the kind of the humble hard-working person that she was before she's not really that anymore she's cocky you know she's got her her quote-unquote well, hot fair. boyfriend that she's fucking all the time well, they fuck you know, the they thing. fuck see, a ton they fuck did you know that See that to me sucks. that to me that's the key. That's the what you just nailed it. Because her rise kind of was being the man is by definition it's a cocky character. But I think the Seth thing has hurt her. Oh, it, it, tremendously. They're Seth they're trying is, to they're trying to use her popularity to get Seth over, and all they're doing is is ruining her popularity. Exactly because Seth is a fucking goober, and I understand he has his fans, okay, but he's also kind of a goober. And they they have no chemistry, and 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 her it's not rubbing off. Her coolness does not rub off on him at all. It brings her down. It's the opposite effect. It's like, oh, why are you with him? He's a fucking goober. You, you see what I'm saying? Like, I think it works the opposite of what they're trying to do. I think it brings Seth. It brings her down instead of bringing Seth up. But, um, I don't know. Let's talk about Dolph Ziggler and Goldberg. What? I love Goldberg. I like this shit. That's great. It's different. It's unique. Yeah. Um, and I thought Dolph was pretty fucking awesome here. You know, just being a fucking a goober. You know, it's like, you know, he's out there and he keeps talking shit and he keeps getting his ass kicked. Yeah, the real star comes and, out. The real star from the Attitude Era comes out and beats the fuck out of him. So, yeah. Well, you know, there's that aspect of it. <laughs> but <laughs> there's always that aspect of it. Back when but, wrestlers um, were stars, that guy comes out and, you know, beats up the... To be fair, it's Dolph. Though. No, I agree. No, again, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna it's, get out here and say, yeah, Dolph deserves to get fucking speared into the mat every single time because he's, he's a good. Dolph's never gonna be a top guy, and it's a bottom. It's a middle guy at best. And but yeah, I enjoyed this. I think it's a lot of fun. It's hard to star rate. Grapple users went 2.09, but it's the kind of thing where it wasn't really a match. It was an angle. You know, it was a segment. Uh, Dolph took a great bump on the spear. So, you know, and look, I enjoyed it. I liked all of this. Did you star rate this? I did. I, did. I went three and a half because I, I, you know, even though it's a minute five or something right around there, it's still like, it's awesome. It's so good. It, it's exactly what it needed to be. And it's one of those ones that you said, it's kind of weird. Cause like, is this the same as another three and a half star match? That's, you know, 15 minutes. Like it's weird. It, it's tough. But like this one went, you know, a minute 50, but it did exactly what it needed to do. And it's exactly what you needed to see out of Goldberg and Dolph Ziggler. Goldberg went in there. Dolph, I thought the super kick tease at the beginning was awesome where they had the, the quick tease where he gets the pinfall. Goldberg kicks out. He does another one. He, he kicks out real quick. And then Goldberg just goes to work and just spears the guy and puts him into the mat and it's over, which is exactly, again, what it needed to be. It was, it had me interested the entire time and yeah it was only one a minute and 50 seconds but i think they nailed it for exactly what they needed to do so yeah i went three and a half with it i i, I and i'm confident with that rating too it's it, I'm, I'm fine with that aj styles versus ricochet underwhelming match the first time around on pay-per-view have a rematch at SummerSlam, and uh i gotta tell you rich this one was even worse this was boring this had zero heat they lost the crowd 
And um, it was uncompelling, uninteresting, boring, dull. And, and to me, it was a slightly below average match. And it was the complete antithesis of what you should be doing with somebody like Ricochet, which is why it's so frustrating. Uh, I don't know why you are telling a story in this feud of AJ Styles making sure that Ricochet can't do anything that Ricochet is good at, which might, you know, get him over. This is so poorly laid out. It's actually a disgrace what's going on with this feud. I mean, let's just call it what it is. They are ensuring that Ricochet does not get over because they're not allowing, because they're, they're making sure that AJ Styles is working over his legs so right. that the guy can't do any of the shit that, make, that makes him special. Right, they're breaking him yeah. down to build him up in the form that they want him to be. This is classic. This is, this is again, the Vince McMahon Playbook yeah. 101. We've seen this a thousand times with guys like Ricochet, guys that have unique styles, unique approaches, unique ways that they wrestle, ways that they get over that isn't how style, and, and, and sometimes they got to humble those guys and get them back. So what they're trying to do here is, Ricochet's got to get better at selling his leg. He's got to get better at working from underneath. He's got to get better at, at, at not doing the flying and all that sort of stuff, which is just like, <laughs> why are you Ricochet then? And especially when you put him in a bodysuit, like, what are you doing? Like, why are you going to hire Ricochet, put him in a bodysuit, and then say, don't do any of the stuff that you're good at. Do this. Just hire anybody. Hire any guy off the streets then. It's like, if you're going to have these matches, they should be at the end of the feud, not the beginning. It should be after AJ Styles has been bested by this younger, faster, more agile version of himself. But he's the smart veteran, and he knows how to beat him now. And he's going to take out his legs. Now you're telling me a good story. What you're doing here is just removing everything that the person is good at. Of not allowing him to showcase what got him over everywhere else to begin with. And you can't help but think it's vindictive and done on purpose. Like you just said. Break them down to build them back up. And it's like you're just shooting yourself in the foot. What a good booker does is they say, what do you do well? A, B, and C. Okay, go do those things. Right. Paul Heyman always says it. Accentuate the positives, hide the negatives. Right. We can't do this. Good. We're not going to show you that. We're not going to do it third rate. We're not going to do it second rate. What do we do well? We're going to enhance that, push that, and that's going to be our focal point. Oh, you do promos well? Your matches are going to be 60 seconds. You're going to cut a bunch of promos. Uh, you know, you, you, it's like you, you, you do a bunch of really creative, innovative high spots. Okay, Eliminators, don't even do tags. Just go do your spots. Right? And then everyone thought the Eliminators were the best tag team on the planet. Because you just let them go out there and do what they do well. Okay? But that's just one example, you know, using Paul Heyman. But it's like... You accentuate positives. This company does the opposite consistently. Let's prove something. Instead of, and this is why they can't get anybody over and why they can't make stars anymore. It's unbelievable how these two matches have been laid out and formatted. You know? And it's like the crowd fucking died. Because on top of it, oh, by the way, on top of everything else, Rich, it was fucking boring. It wasn't even good or interesting. Or fun, or creative, right? Which I found kind of it interesting too. Is that like it was boring, dull, and then AJ just won, <laughs> and AJ just beat him, and it was like I'm I'm watching this match, waiting yeah. for the Ricochet comeback, saying, "Okay, his legs getting worked over, but man, he's gonna throw drop kicks with one leg. He's gonna do you know a moonsault off of one leg. Like he's gonna make it work." We saw Osprey do that against Tanahashi, where Tanahashi worked over his leg, but then Osprey just said, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do my moves, but I'm gonna do them off one leg. I'm gonna I'm gonna fight through this pain, and I'm gonna do it." 
Yeah, Ricochet just lost. <laughs> just one, two, three, fucking lost. Yeah, it's 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 really stunning how how this is what they're doing. With it, it's it's stunning to me, and it's stupidity. It is stunning in its stupidity how they're how they're laying this out. Grapple users went three and a quarter. Um, there's no reason that AJ Styles and Ricochet shouldn't be going out there and stealing the show in an effort to get Ricochet over. Get the guy over and then tell your dopey stories. I mean, this is so backwards. Right. Make him make him a star and then garner sympathy from his, his exactly. pain. Exactly. If you make him a star and show and let him get over the way he's gotten over everywhere else, then a match like this might work because the fans will feel bad for him and wonder if he can if he can come back and all this. But if, if this is the way you present him out of the gate, you get what you had on this show. An uninterested crowd that couldn't give a fuck about the match that was happening in front of them. And it was AJ Styles versus Ricochet, for fuck's sake. This is why, Rich, this is why this company fucking stinks and you can't get into it. Shit like this. I went two and a half, by the way, for the record. So I fucking hated it. I hated it. I went two. I thought it was a below average match. How can I sit here and 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 the work was fine. His the selling was fine. AJ's work was fine. But if something is boring and uninteresting and dull and nobody cares, I don't care how good the work is. Okay? I don't care how good the work is. And and, and if, when the structure's all wrong and the story's bad and counterproductive, I don't give a shit if the work is clean. I'll take the match where the work isn't perfect, but it's exciting and it's fun and the crowd is alive and the story makes sense. Fuck, man. man I, the match disgusted me. Bailey versus Ember Moon, which wasn't much better. I was going to say, a great follow-up where Bailey, uh, uh, or Ember Moon, I should say, spends most of the match slowing down Bailey and attacking her legs so that she can't do anything and, 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 and you know, keeping her grounded, the, the ever high-flyer Bailey. So, again, it was back-to-back matches with the exact same story. And it stuck. The work was way worse than this one, yeah. Yes. Yeah, at Ember Moon doing elbow drops to, to fucking empty mat. <laughs> did you see that what was going on with that spot dude who knows yeah i mean and again uh a, 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 this match was so dull and uninteresting that the crowd did, the crowd was never into it and it's bailey it's fucking ba- this company that's a layup bailey was the biggest layup of all time like just have her they, out there men women children eh, nah. how do you find a way <laughs> on, on listen to me how do you find a way on SummerSlam, okay, to put AJ Styles, Ricochet, Bailey, and Ember Moon out there and have no one care? How do you find a way to do that? How are you laying the matches out like this? Those four people and no one cares? And the crowd is dead as a doornail for a fucking, for 40 minutes? Or whatever it was? How is that possible? Grapple went 2.42 on this. I went two. Again, I went two on the dot. I'm two on the dot, too. Great show so far. (laughs) My God. This was like, I don't know. We'll wrap it up at the end. Kevin Owens versus Shane McMahon. Now, listen. 
I enjoyed this. I enjoyed I, this. I got into it too because the fucking because Kevin was Owens got bulked crowd up. Right. There was energy. There was, there was movement. Some energy in the Things happened. <laughs> so it's like this match at least had some fucking life because it wasn't laid out in such a way where you're sabotaging the participants. I mean, how the fuck do you watch the G1 for five weeks, which accentuates the positives of everyone and gets everybody over, and then on this show, they're, tr they're intentionally doing the opposite. It drives you nuts. It's, it, Rich, it fucking stinks. <laughs> Dude. I didn't know how long it was going to take. I laugh so I don't uh, I don't get angry. So. But at least this had some life. I went three and a quarter on this because I, I fucking enjoyed myself. At least. Yeah, right on the money. Three and a quarter, After exactly where I was too. I, I was like, hell, such a breath of fresh air. I think Kevin Owens took some hellacious bump into the corner and I was or in the, the, uh, the barricade. I was so happy because the crowd finally made noise. Everybody was kind of happy for a second. People were into the match. Like, yeah, all the credits to them. They, 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 this was good. This blew the other matches out of the water the ones prior. And, I didn't and, feel like I was at a funeral. For once on this fucking show, Goldberg and, and Kevin Owens and, and, the only saving grace. and Brock. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Charlotte Flair versus Trish Stratus. Okay, I did enjoy this too. This is good. This is good. Look, I, you know Charlotte is better than I think some people give her credit for. Trish, you know, hung just fine, um, and this was enjoyable. Maybe a tad too long, but I it's, it's such a minor gripe. Um, yeah, I mean, Trish, it, it's like you, you, you could have, you know, when's the last time she wrestled the match? It didn't feel like, you know, it didn't feel like I was watching somebody who hasn't wrestled the match in ages. And well, she you know, had right evolution. I mean, last year at this exact time, almost. Oh, that's right. Oh. Yeah, I forgot she wrestled at evolution, but um, um, yeah, I, I enjoyed this. I went three and a half on this. This was probably, um, my second favorite match on the show. We are in lockstep here. I, we did not talk about this before. I'm three and a half exactly on the dot for this one yeah. as well. So, uh, and by the way, our ratings are falling like exactly in line with grapple too, which is, is strange too. 3.4 uh, is, is the grapple rating there. I think the one issue that I have with this match is it was just the layout was kind of weird. Cause it was like Trish passing the torch over to Charlotte. And it's like, what? <laughs> like Charlotte's been yeah. it's like a 19 time women's champion. Like, you know, Trish, I mean, I, again, I they they try to play up Trish as the, like this legend of her era, and you know, whatever. Again, whatever, whatever they want to sell it. The, the, regardless, for 16 minutes, I was entertained, so I will not complain because that's about the level that we're at right now. So, well, we're about to talk about Kofi Kingston, Randy Orton. So, if you want to complain, <sighs> listen. Can we just call it? Listen. Can we just call it like it is? This Kofi Kingston title reign fucking stinks. His matches stink. How many more of these fucking terrible Kofi Kingston? He's having, he's going out there, okay? And he's not even having like good, like quote unquote good WWE style fucking world title matches. He's having subpar matches. That fucking abomination against Dolph Ziggler, whatever the fuck this was, uh, this Randy Orton match. I mean, he's just not delivering. Okay, I get it. He's a good guy. It's a nice story. He's got some fans. The matches are not delivering, Rich. Yeah, this one is boring as fuck. 
suck. Um, did nothing for me. Uh, could not wait for it to end. And then when it ended via, you know, double count out or what I, I was it officially double count out. I wasn't sure if it was DQ or double count. It didn't matter. It was just such a deflating finish. And you just felt like, why did I just waste 16 minutes of my life with this boring as fuck match that ends via a double count out and the crowd. I, I know what they did. I know what they were trying to do. The crowd did not react the way they wanted to at all. The crowd wanted them to feel like Kofi was defending his family and defending their honor. And the crowd just went, Oh, they were, <laughs> like, they, were they were negative chance against Kofi. Yeah, because they, they hated it. They hated that this guy, this idiot, just lost this match. They just wasted 60 minutes of their time, and he just lost this match for no reason whatsoever, and he looked like a dummy doing it. So, yeah, they, Rich, yeah Rich. it was no good. There were, neg there were negative Kofi chants before they locked up. You didn't hear them? They were, I did. I, they were, yeah, they did. It wasn't Kofi sucks. What were they saying? It was something else. It was uh, Kofi stupid, maybe? What was it? What were they? It was something like that, wasn't it? Kofi's dumb or Kofi's stupid. I can't remember what the exact chant was, but I'm like, he's even has people turning on him. He's like the he's like the quintessential baby face, right? What would you hate about this man? And he's getting negative chants. I don't know. Um, the fiend, Rich Bray Wyatt. Oh, we should say grapple. Uh, 2.38. 2.38 average. It's not like again. It's if you want to think that oh, <laughs> Joe and Rich, they There's hate everything WWE. They're there. just <laughs> Joe and Rich again. Yeah, yeah. One hundred eighty-five other people thought it fucking stunk too. So. Yeah, I went two and a half with this one. By the way, the Fiend versus Finn Balor. <laughs> it's hard to rate. It's just a squash. Yeah. Um, the Fiend thing got over tremendously with people. Um, but here's the thing: I won't be fooled. It's a Bray Wyatt. And I don't know. Um, the thing about it is it's a very elaborate production, and I don't think they can maintain it unless they keep it special and he only works like pay-per-views. You can't send him out there on Raw every week with that entrance. Exactly. Yeah, it's the same thing that happened with the Wyatt family. The Wyatt family was super, super cool for the first few times. And then the 90th time you saw the Wyatt family come out, it was like, all right, not that big of a deal. And the problem, too, is like, again, if they do this where he just goes out here and beats people in three minutes, that's exactly the way to push Bray Wyatt. Yeah. That's exactly what you need to do because his guy, we've seen it. We know yeah. we're not going to be fooled again that this guy's going to have 20 minute main event matches and they're going to be good. They're not. They're going to stink. They're going to suck. But in three minutes, he can hit big moves and get out of there with his cool entrance. Like, so if they can keep doing that and that's going to work. But how long are they going to do that? How long do we, do you, me, anybody listening to this believe that, that Vince McMahon is going to have Bray Wyatt go out there and beat people in four minutes and then get out of there every, every few weeks and not every night on Raw? Yeah. There's no chance in hell. So in two months' time, we're going to be looking back at this going, oh, yeah, that was a good debut, but then, you know, a re-debut or whatever. But now he's just another guy. And and it's, it's, it's I, again, I, maybe, I don't know. I'll give it time. I'll give it a chance. But they have to do this almost every single time. And, and, and I do not have confidence that they're going to do this every single time where he just goes out there, does his entrance, as you said, pay-per-views, big moments, and then beats a guy in four minutes. That's a perfect way to use this character. It's not what they're going to do. Yeah, I, yeah, that's the thing. It's like I don't have any faith. I don't have any faith in anything they do. They've beaten it out of me. It's like I started this one optimistic, and now I'm fucking the one. <laughs> I told like, you. And now That's, why, you're I like, that's yeah. why I laugh, man. You gotta, you gotta. So. This company just does it to you, man. It's uh, yeah, and that's everything because we already talked about the main event. So as a whole, I thought SummerSlam had a great main event, a fun, a really good. Um, Trish Stratus, Charlotte Flair match, and a fun angle slash match with Goldberg, and the rest did absolutely nothing for me. <laughs> and, and the other five hours just, were uh... <laughs> it felt like I wasted. 
And, you know, they cut a bunch of matches, and we got a little inside tip from inside the room, Rich, that uh, the big guy, VKM, saw the uh, script for the show and decided that the internet fans, the words that were used, would not like the length of the show, so matches and time were cut. He's right. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Vince. So, that, you know, so to, when they say they don't pay attention to you know uh, internet fans or whatever the case may be, Twitter, they're lying. The big guy said it was too long. Internet fans would reject it, and they cut a bunch. Remember this had like 20 matches on paper at one point or something ridiculous like that? Um, it, it, what a weird show. No Roman Reigns. No Daniel Bryan. No tag team matches. No Braun Strowman. No Braun Strowman. Like, this no Baron was, Corbin. <laughs> this did not feel like a SummerSlam. This felt like some B pay-per-view that you'll never think about again. It did not have the feel of a major event. The show wasn't good. It, it was lacking a lot of their... What? When would you just leave off stars of the caliber of Roman Reigns and Daniel Bryan off of a SummerSlam? This is I, it's really bizarre. Yeah, it, it, it's such a strange SummerSlam because I'm obviously going back and watching a lot of these uh, for, for the Boys of Summer series. Uh, on our Patreon, and and like yeah, it's it's it, and sometimes like there was a time where SummerSlam was the de facto number two. Like Royal Rumble has now sort of taken that mantle, but there was a time. I mean, for God, twenty years, SummerSlam was like the number two show, and you felt it, and it 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 was important, and there were stakes, and the rest of the year was determined by it. I, this was just like, like again, like you're saying, in six months' time, what are you going to remember from the show? Yeah, I mean, you know, Goldberg, maybe I don't know. Was really good. I, 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 that's a memorable main event to me. I'll remember him swinging him around by the taped ribs. That's a memorable spot, and I think that the match was really good. I liked the main event a lot. I thought it was a great main event. Um, but yeah, the rest of it, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Goldberg, Ziegler, I, that's probably, but everything else is just very, very underwhelming. Um, you know, so weird, weird show, underwhelming show. Um, and a lot of yeah. it is their own doing. You know, I don't feel bad. It's not like AJ Styles and Ricochet went out there and had this, and were killing themselves, and it was just a dead crowd. They killed the crowd. Oh, absolutely. And, and that's the thing. I, 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 while the show was going on, I, I, I remember asking people on our Slack channel, is this what WWE crowds sound like now? I mean, this is Toronto. This is one of their biggest markets. I mean, go back and watch other Toronto shows. Like you said, the Bizarro World stuff. Those crowds go nuts for every single match. They are there and they're invested. And you saw it at times when they when they wanted to make noise, they made noise. Becky Lynch and Natalia, they made noise during that. A little bit of Owens and Shane, like you said. Seth Rollins and Brock, they made noise. And then the other three and a half, four hours or whatever, they didn't make a peep. And again, like you said, that's not because Toronto just said, and that crowd just said, ah, you know what? Yeah, yeah, we're just not going to make noise tonight. They made noise for a few matches, but the ones that sucked and the matches that did nothing, you could hear a pin drop in that place. And that well, is terrible. It's, it's the company that constantly tells you that they tell stories telling shitty stories. That's why they lost the crowd right. when they did, because the story stunk. God. All right. That's SummerSlam there. So what do you want to do about TakeOver? You want to bump that over to the, uh, the overrun? Yeah, we're out of time. We're out of time, so let's do that. Patreon.com slash Voices of Wrestling. Get the overrun for $2 right now, where you'll hear our recap of NXT TakeOver Toronto. Uh, but as far as this flagship, we are out of time, so we are going to bid you adieu. For Joe Lanza, I'm Rich Critch, and we'll see you next time on the Voice of Wrestling Flagship Podcast. Take care.